the makers of that. flight control. That's right. Exactly. And it looks like uh, Fisher just said something that a NDA just expired. Oh, great. And there's something that's available right now. Actually, it's Jeremy of Mossberg just said, yeah, NDA is expired. It's available now. It appears to be a very short. It looks like a breaching gun, mag fed breaching shotgun. Interesting. Yeah. Is it the so not non bird's head a traditional pistol grip? Um, yeah, this looks like a breacher setup, especially with the uh, muscle device. Muscle device, yeah, the standoff. Yeah. yeah, I was. I saw something. Oh my god, I'm, I'm having a senior moment already. Blanking on the name of that uh, that AR shotgun, the uh, Genesis. Oh, so they were advertising a breacher setup for theirs. Hmm. That's a neat gun. Okay, adding that to the list. Yeah, Genesis. if you watch John Wick, that's the one he runs around dragons breathing everybody in that top down scene in John Wick 4. Gotcha, gotcha. And we're back. Sorry about that. I got to disappear every once in a while to keep the lathe running. So, and I have that same issue with a almost three-year-old. I have to run away really quick. Be right back. Beat him up. I, I, get, I get that. I get that. Though he can't, he can't pick the lock in this office. So that's good. He can get every other lock in the house. Well, no. So yeah, it looks like a proprietary magazine. So it probably would have to be. Hmm. I'm sorry. What are you talking about? Nothing. Oh, okay. So an NDA just expired <laughs> for it appears to be a Mossberg breacher. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Traditional pistol grip, muzzle device, mag fed, top rail. Yeah. M can you put a can you put a stock on it? it, it I can't tell. The profile I'm seeing is only uh, it's only a side profile, so I can't tell if there's some way to attach something to the end. Mm. Oh, interesting. So possibly. As I as I look at a closer picture of this. Oh, it, you see it, it too it, then. It, it now that I'm seeing what I'm seeing, it definitely explains oh. another uh, a couple of vague comments that the were made safety. prior to the yes. The yes, safety is interesting. Yes. Safety is like an AR safety. Matt, really? Okay, hold on. Let me. Let me text this to you, Matt. Since you're yeah, yeah, please not on the Facebooks. Yeah, I'm apparently persona non grata to the old Zuck. Well, let's see here. Well, I can just do this. Oh, hey, there you go. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely a different back end. And I've seen that on other breaching guns. That Maybe looks not, like not you exactly could plug like a stock into the back of it almost. Yeah. The selector's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, that's always been one of the downfalls of pistol grip Mossbergs is that top-mounted yes. safety. Yeah, exactly. That is fascinating. And I like that little shroud to keep it from getting bumped off a safe. Yeah, yeah. 
It looks thought out. Yeah, it looks like somebody put some thought into that. Who knew? And M lock, whatever you call that. Forend. Yeah. Cool. Huh. Well, yeah, so I guess if the NDA is done. And Jeremy went yeah. to bed because he's in England right now. <laughs> That's pretty acceptable. I'm in Pennsylvania and I'm about ready to go to bed. So I'm in Utah and I just got up oh about an hour and a half ago. Well, you're working midnights now, aren't you? I am. How long is that for? Four months. All right. And then mid-December, I'll be day shift. All right. Does it always rotate through on that pattern? Yeah, day, afternoon, grave. Sure. Well, should we just start talking about shotgun stuff? Because we I already mean, have. I mean, I <laughs> what else is there to talk about? <laughs> Only shotguns. So I'll just do the, the quick little intro stuff and we'll take you from there. And it's episode 355. We did 354 last night with uh, Mike Mitsubishi and Chad Albrecht. Talking about AR armor stuff. And that was a, that was a good discussion. That was a lot of fun. Big Tech's ordinance has everything from complete firearms to OEM and aftermarket parts. If you're looking to put together your first AR-15, they have everything from those parts that you need to the tools that are going to be essential. If you're looking for suppressors, night vision, handheld lights, weapon lights, sights or optics, you name it, Big Tech's has it all. Not only that, they're offering all those brands that we like. Go visit them at BigTechsOrdinance.com. Overwatch Precision is a team of civilians and combat veterans based in Phoenix, Arizona, that employ industry-leading production methods, coatings, and materials in their striker-fired polymer-framed pistol trigger systems. With an internal engineering team focused on thoughtful design, Overwatch's flat-faced and curved triggers safely deliver a mechanical advantage to your carry or duty Glock, Walther, CZ, P10, and Smith & Wesson MMP 2.0 with improved function and increased accuracy. See more at overwatchprecision.com. Filster makes awesome holsters. But not only that, they also happen to be one of those companies that are trendsetters. A lot of their designs are emulated by other companies. Not only does Filstered make those holsters, but they also provide concealment systems like the Enigma, the Flex. They also have a lot of solutions when it comes to concealment solutions for medical. If you need to have a concealment first aid kit, they happen to sell them. Check them out at filsterholster.com. Are you a professional looking for a reliable and high-quality rifle suppressor? Look no further than Primary Arms Government, whether you're equipping a team or shopping for your personal rifle. Primary Arms Government offers a complete selection of field-proven suppressors with options to fit any rifle and any budget. They work directly with the industry's leading brands to secure the best prices and available inventory, and their expert staff is always available to answer any questions you may have. Don't compromise on the safety and effectiveness of your equipment. Choose Primary Arms Government for all your suppressor needs. Visit them online today at Primary primaryarms.com slash government. Walther is the performance leader in the firearms industry. Renowned throughout the world for its innovation since Carl Walther and his son Fritz created the first blowback semi-automatic pistol in 1908. Today, the innovative spirit builds off the invention of the concealed carry gun with the PPK series by creating the PPQ, PPS, and the Q5 match steel frame series. 
Military, police, and other government security groups in every country of the world have relied on the high-quality craftsmanship and rugged durability of Walther products. Walther continues its long tradition of technical expertise and innovation in the design and production of firearms. For more information, visit waltherarms.com. Hey everyone, Matt Lanfer here with Primary and Secondary. Welcome to Modcast. Today's episode number is 355. We're going to be revisiting the gauge. Uh, the last couple episodes that we did, we've been talking about Mossberg specifically. Some things came up that I kind of thought, you know what? Why don't we have a, a additional shotgun episode to kind of talk about the state of the shotgun? It seems like since the first real shotgun episode we had with Matt and Rob, things have kind of changed as far as people's perceptions of them. Uh, it seems like things have become a little bit more positive regarding them. So, and people are more accepting They're they're listening and that's kind of cool. Why don't we talk about, okay, what about ammo selection? What about all these, these, some new accessories or new options? Um, also with training, has anything changed with training? So we're going to talk about that stuff. Uh, today's September 14th, 2023. Um, there are going to be some panelists that are going to probably come in and out. Uh, right now we have a couple guys who kind of know shotguns just a little bit. Um, my background, eh, my background is law enforcement with very minimal shotgun training. That being said, I've actually taken a shotgun class though. So that already puts me in the whatever percentile, the class that I happened to take was with the hot boys. And let me just tell you, even if Matt wasn't here right now, I, I if you have any inkling, uh, or if you have any desire to take a shotgun class going with these guys going with the hots was absolutely fantastic. I took that class because I found that shotgun was it was shotgun skill sets were probably my weakest of all the different varieties of firearms I have. So I thought, well, why don't I take it on head? Why don't I take it head on and actually take a class and my opinion and the usefulness for me of shotguns has increased dramatically. Um, it's definitely not a dead, dead gun, a dead option. As a lot of people may say, um, it can also be an, an expensive and, 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 uh, I can't even talk and an effective firearm, which is a very good thing. Um, don't discount them. Um, yeah, the last couple, uh, episodes we did with Mossberg, really good discussion was had and, and it was cool to get the feedback about it. Um, hearing people say, yeah, this is, this is making me rethink what my opinions are of, of shotguns and, and Mossberg specifically. Um, but I think we're just going to start talking about shotguns. We already had a little bit prior to starting and that's probably going to be our, our grand intro, but uh, I have some, some topics written down for us to talk about. I think we're going to officially start the show. So Matt, what do you have for us? And before these guys start talking, I'm going to say my favorite thing, make sure you support those sources that you have found to be beneficial. As these guys are talking, pay attention to who they represent. Pay attention to who they are, the brands they, they, they bring up. Pay attention to all that stuff. If these guys are providing something that's useful to you, you probably should find them on social media and give them some follows, give them some likes. Um, if they're providing something that may change your, your perspective of something for the positive, that probably needs a share. Um, social media in general, Instagram, Facebook, 
even even YouTube aren't working in our favor. When I when I when I say our, I mean people that are interested in firearms, people that are interested in firearms rights. All that stuff is being pretty much squashed and muted. So that's where you, the listener, comes in by sharing this kind of stuff, helps it organically grow. And you know, there are still things that are that are hindering it. I might share something about one of these guys and I might get one like, whereas if I talk about something completely different, it's going to get a ton of likes. And it's not because people don't like it. It's because people don't see it. And there's an artificial something going on. It's getting throttled. So as the listener, pay attention to who these guys represent and uh, support those sources that you have found to be beneficial. Matt. Hi, I'm Matt. I like shotguns. I like teaching shotguns. Adam, I like shooting shotguns. How long have you been shooting shotguns? I'm pretty sure I was born with an 870 in my hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just, I grew up hunting with them. I grew up shooting them. I grew up enjoying them. Um, they've always been kind of part of the culture where I grew up. Uh even more so part of the culture of my family. Like most of my friends grew up hunting squirrels with a 22. I grew up hunting squirrels with a 20 gauge. Uh, it's, it's just always been uh, a part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And who do you represent? I, uh, along with my dad, who, who started it, uh, we are Simtac Consulting. Uh, we do primarily shotgun training. We do teach some other other things like pistol, uh, the occasional carbine stuff. And we even teach a safari rifle classes. You can, oh, other side, you can see the, we like to, to do the Africa hunting thing. Yeah. Um, but primarily we're known for shotgun work. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And, and shotgun, uh, especially recoil mitigation and uh, CQB uh, techniques and, and I guess you call it stance, uh, CQB techniques for shortening the shotgun up and use it more effectively in its bread and butter close quarters. Yeah. Cool. Adam. Hi, I'm Adam. I own Aridus Industries, which we make shotgun accessories. And so by extension, uh, you know, we do a lot of training, a lot of shooting. Um, I remember the the first time I showed one of my prototypes to uh, Chris Fry and some instruction from him, <laughs> just the way that I had some shells set up in the shell carrier. He says, okay, well, let's, let's turn some of these around and make it look like we know what we're doing. And so, <laughs> so, so ever since then, it was like, all right, we'll, we'll make sure that we know what we're doing. So uh, attending training classes has been, you know, one of the, one of the high priorities and, you know, with a bunch of different instructors too, uh, there's so much to teach so much to learn with shotguns. You know, I'm sure that, you know, one of the challenges of Matt and Rob and Steve and everybody else that does it is trying to figure out what am I actually going to teach in this limited time frame? because there's a lot of different directions that you can go and, you know, some guys do a better job at it than others. And, you know, generally the guys that do a better job at it, you hear their names over and over again yeah. in terms of who's recommended. Um, but yeah, yes. I mean, you know, do a lot of shooting. It's, it's kind of nice now that uh, I've got a couple of employees, they get to share in the workload in terms of putting a lot of rounds downrange. And, you know, this summer, especially um, 
you know, testing new products and different things, you know, they've been getting a little bit more of a workout, uh, which is good. Um, it's, it's also fun, even in just like the last couple of range trips with them. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a little more casual and, you know, we'll just kind of, we're, we're just there to put the rounds down range. Um, but you know, as we've gone more and more, it's like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to make sure that these guys are getting some, you know, not that I'm an instructor, but, you know, a little bit of critique and, and advice in different things here and there. And, um, you know, things that I notice other students and other classes, you know, good things and bad things that I can kind of then, you know, spot with these guys, good things and bad things and kind of help, you know, help guide them. But yeah, it's shotguns are fun. I mean, they're, they're just so devastating and powerful, but you know, when you, when you let some rounds go, you, you know what they're about. And you brought up different trainers. One of the things we discussed last night, so we had a discussion with uh, Mike Mahalski, also known as Mike Mitsubishi, and Chad, Chad Albrecht. Um, we were talking about armor classes, and we were talking about there are, there are multiple options, and there are multiple really good options, and you can take one from each of those instructors. You can take a class from each of those instructors and pull different things from each one of them. So one class might not be sufficient. Going just sticking with one instructor might not be sufficient. So if shotguns are your thing, or even handgun or anything, don't focus on just the one single instructor. I mean, it's not a bad idea to expand. Now that being said, uh, there are some, there are certain instructors that I've gone back to multiple times because you know what? I didn't get all the material. I focused on a couple little tidbits, and I'm coming back to to, to pick up more or to reinforce some of the some of the concepts that I that I was able to get. So. Um, yeah, Matt, along those lines, when I was a, a kid, probably, I don't know, 10 or so, uh, dad had just started teaching with Ken Hackathorn, uh, teaching it started off as Ken's AI. Um, and he was going to take a training class somewhere to take a, take a class, not teach a class. And in my childlike lack of wisdom, I said, dad, why are you taking a class? You're a teacher. You're an instructor. Yeah. And he, he just looked at me and he said, son. No one can teach you everything, but everyone can teach you something. And I, I have tried to follow that later in life. Yeah. Well, and that goes kind of to what Adam said when he's like, well, we take them out. Not really instructor. Even being, if you're well-versed, you don't need to be instructor to, to pass on good info. Adam's seen, yeah. been into enough classes and seen enough people teach and knows enough material that I have no doubt that he's helping those dudes out. Absolutely. And if anything, he's helping them spend more money. Exactly. As it should be. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saving myself some fatigue is all that it really is. I mean, you know, well then there's a method called push pull, you know, it's, it, it actually is kind of funny, you know, uh, the, the rate we're going this you know, at this point is basically like a case of slugs arranged trip. Um, you know, I did one, I did one on my own today. I did one on my own two days ago. Uh, and you know, I'll post about it and everybody, I, I don't know if they're, I, I guess they're being serious. They say, Oh, how's your shoulder doing? I'm like, my shoulder's fine. I'm doing it again in a couple of days. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, use some, use proper technique taught by guys that understand it and know how to teach it. Uh, you know, there's guys that don't teach it there for, for whatever reasons. Uh, there's guys that, 
may not understand it well enough to teach it. And so they don't, which that's, you know, that is what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm shooting 1600 foot per second slugs, you know, pretty much as quick as I can just to get them down range and the, the proper technique. Now, I, I, I remember before I ever took any class, I think I shot like, oh man, maybe like 10 or 15 slugs. And like, I was done. I was like, I, I can't, I can't ever do this again. And, and now it's like, well, that's now, now it's, you know, no big deal. That, that's like 10 seconds. <laughs> well, it's like uh, earlier this summer when we were out at Adam come out to our range and, and we were testing out some of his stuff and we just were hammering stuff down range. And I was, I'd been helping dad clean out uh, part of what we call the pile and I had a big Rubbermaid container full of just random shot shells. I mean, everything from the lowest low brass bird shot up to like Magnum number four buck. And we were just grabbing handfuls out of it, stuffing them in guns and blazing away. And we made it through most of that tub in that afternoon. And honestly, the biggest issue was didn't have a sling on the gun. So my arms got kind of tired from holding it up all day. That was about it. Did you see the, uh, Adam, do you see the, what chat just said, what someone just said uh, that they need oh, to I... hook you up with someone for R and D of slugs, kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a, that'd probably be a wise move. <laughs> so another thing that just came up in chat that I thought was interesting. So Glock has their, plate system are you are you going to make a plate system so you can use a universal crumb and throw it on any shotgun you have the an adapter plate and then you throw the crumb on top i mean i can i can see how appealing that would be because uh, we want I'm more probably not gonna i'm probably not gonna go down that route oh. uh, no i mean you know it's one of those things where um the entire uh, you know, it's in the name and it's in the product itself. The entire idea is being able to co-witness things. Yeah. Um, and when you get into that realm, there's a whole lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the, one of the simple ones is in the early days, you know, I started some quick R and D on uh, doing a crom for the Trigicon MRO mm -hmm. and it, you know, after one quick prototype, it was, oh, this optic just sits too high to co-witness with any regular factory front sight. You could get it to work if you have an inch and a half tall front sight and everything is kind of out of whack. And so it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I could make a, a direct mount for an MRO that would you know, more or less work, but uh, it, it doesn't really fit into... Yeah the the idea behind it um and, and likewise you you start getting into different adapter plates and you start stacking things on top of each other um you know most shotgun sites they're pretty stinking low um you know even even most even the ghost ring sites which you know is you know, what the chrome rear sight height is kind of designed around even those are, are pretty low so you start adding just very very minor amounts of uh of height to it and you can start you know, running into challenges to say the least. Well, and, and on top of that, the potential recoil, especially out of a pump is going to, it's, it's considerable depending on the load because you don't have any reciprocating mass or anything like with an AR things are, are moving inside. Nope. It just goes right into you and then you pump it. And so adding that, that uh, potentially more vicious recoil 
that can hurt some things that are stacked on other things, stacked on other things. So yeah, play system, no. Honestly, I wonder if the semi-autos aren't worse with the with the back and forth recoil or the back and forth momentum impulse. Um, I know, and it's probably just because I grew up shooting pump guns and I have so much more time on pump guns, but like semis, I won't say they recoil more, but they're jumpier. It's probably what the old guys that started transitioning from revolvers to autos complained about. They're like, it's not recoiling the way I would expect it to, you know? It's just something you got to get time on. I, I do think it probably adds something to the back and forth bouncing, uh, loosening screws and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, now Cody's here. Not that he's Cody! made his presence known. <laughs> I am listening. I'm, I'm getting schooled up. Gotcha. Gotcha. So first thing I have are those mag fed AR type shotguns. I'm, I'm seeing them. People are, posting them not necessarily any groups i'm in uh are you guys seeing these in class are any of them worth anything are they falling apart when they go on the line I are, are there any that stand out that say you know what this isn't too bad i haven't seen any of the ar pattern guns come through class we've seen a couple of the ak pattern guns um and within the confines of the ammo they like uh, some of them run, some of them don't. Uh, the, the Chinese ones don't seem to run well at all. The Saigas are iffy and need tuning, and the Vepers generally run okay, but sometimes they don't. <laughs> yeah, but and I haven't you, seen you any of them. One. I do. Um, so, funny story some years ago probably two, three years ago, dad and I were teaching a class in Amarillo, Texas. Wonderful place, great steakhouses. Um, and we had a fellow sign up and come out to the class who's a gunsmith at an outfit called Dissident Arms. Uh, they do a lot of three-gun specific competition uh, AK shotgun stuff. Um, and, you know, he he actually messaged me beforehand and said, is it okay to bring you know, box fed guns to the class. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, there's some of the reloading stuff that may not quite translate right. You know, you welcome to tinker around and play with, you know, whatever you need to do to get value out of it. Um, but he showed up and he had a pair of 12 inch SBS Vepper 12s and much to everybody, including my own surprise, they ran all class. Uh, very shocked at that. And so in a, in a moment of silliness about a decade ago, I had bought a Vepper 12. I took it out to the clays range once and shot some sporting clays with it, which was an exercise in futility with RPK sites. Um, and it just been gathering dust in the back of my safe. And I thought, man, I ought to do something with that. And these guys actually seem to be able to get the guns to run. So I I'd been talking to that guy, uh, Jonathan's his name. Good dude. Uh, been talking to him for about a year and then finally bit the bullet form one, the gun sent it off to him. And uh, here we have, whoop, there we go. A 14 inch barreled Vepper 12 with side folding stock with the, five round mag 
this thing will fit in a tennis racket bag. Very nice. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Cool. Now, there, there's a, I'm still kind of tinkering with how I like it set up. This is not their stock adapter. Uh, theirs doesn't fold and it sits higher to use with the optic. I wanted it to fold. So I, I bought a separate one and just put a, a cheek riser on the stock. I had them cut off the rear sight and they weld a pick rail up there. So I could put a red dot on it. Uh, and they chopped the barrel and tuned the gas port. Uh, they actually even tuned the magazines. I had, I send them uh, my 12 round magazines and they cleaned them up, trued them up, kind of tweaked the follower geometry uh, to be more reliable. But now one of the things that they told me when they chopped this thing was that by chopping the barrel, you kind of reduce your window of reliable loads. So this thing really likes hot stuff. You get some like three and a quarter dram dove loads, runs like scalded ass ape with them. Um, it will not run eight pellet flight control. Mm. It will run nine pellet low recoil, but I'm thinking it's probably close to the edge of the envelope. So if I if I ever do decide to, to look at this as a, as a serious use gun, it'll probably get fed full power LE-127. Um, yeah, it's a neat little gun. I mean, it's a, it's a concept, you know, I, I grew up with pump guns. Uh, I grew up with tube fed guns. Yeah. This is me just kind of experimenting and tinkering around and saying, is this viable? Is this viable for this application? You know, uh, not gaming, not Ipsic, not three gun, but an actual like defensive shotgun. Is it viable for that? I don't know yet. I haven't had enough time with it, but it's going to be interesting to see. Cool. And the magazine isn't a traditional rock and lock like a normal AK. It's no. Put, so put the, right in. the, the Saigas, and I think most of the Chinese clones are rock and lock. The Vepers are just straight in. Now they're still released yeah. like that, but yeah, they just go right in the magwell. Interesting. So yeah. And I've got, I've got some, 12 round mags that stick out to bloody here. And then I've got this one factory five rounder. Um, I'd, I'd like to try an eight rounder, but the factory eight rounders are like a hundred and 120 oh. bucks a pop. Cause obviously you can't get Russian stuff now. Um, so I I'm tinkering with maybe cutting down one of my 12 rounders to an eight and seeing how that plays. I think that might be the sweet spot for form factor versus capacity. But I mean, honestly, my favorite 870 has a five-shot magazine. This is a five-shot magazine. Yeah. How long ago did you buy that? I got this thing, oh, 10 or 11 years ago when they first started bringing Vepers into the country. I got a good friend of mine that's a, a serious AK nerd, and he's like, Matt, you got to get one of these. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. It's a shotgun. Why not? Um, and I, like I said, I, I took it out to the Clays range, shot around to Sporting Clays, um, with the 12 round mag in it, man, the, the FUDs did not know what to think of that. Um, and yeah, it was a neat lark, Yeah, you know, neat curiosity. And then I went in the back of the safe and gathered dust for a decade. Now, so, try something else with it. so people that are watching this and thinking, Oh, I need to get one. Okay. Good luck. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, when I, shipped this off to dissident i uh 
they asked me at, at the post office, you know, how much insurance do you want on that? And I'm like, all you got. Yeah. Cause yeah, they're, you can't really get the Vepers much anymore. I don't think. And yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really delved into what the availability is of the AK shotgun market. Cause I had one and I didn't use it much. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's neat. I need to take it out to one of the local shotgun matches and and shoot in the open division for once and get stomped by all the guys that use them on a regular basis. That's cool. Are you going to come up to CQB Brutality? A what? Yeah, nice. Yeah, there's uh, CQB Brutality. They're doing it like a two gun match. It's a uh, it's one of the in range TV things up at. Uh, it'll be at Desert. Or not Desert Formants, uh, up in St. George. What is that, Supps? Okay, yeah, they, they do a lot of their, their matches up there. Um, no, I hadn't heard about it, so no. Come on out, man. We're going to be – we're part of we're part of that. We're going to be running a little Van Comp team. We're going to do the Pump Gun Division. It's going to be cool. Wow. That's uh, me up later about here and let me know what's up with it. Definitely. Yeah. We're going to be putting stuff up. So anyone who's listening to, I mean, November, it's the weekend of uh, veterans day. So it's a Friday, Saturday and Sunday, but you only, you can shoot all the stages in one day. So we'll be doing, we'll have some stuff on the prize table. So we're going to go shoot Sunday and hang out for the, for the award ceremony and stuff. Neat. Yeah, it's like a, a doom themed uh, shoot with uh, sh- shotguns, and then they'll have a sub gun division too. So just little nine mil pistol caliber carbines, but it's a two gun, a three gun, or just sub gun match. So it'll be pretty cool. <laughs> I love yeah, you can run your Vepper out there. That'd be cool. Well, if you guys are doing it, I'd have to run a van gun. I mean, that's just. <laughs> we'll send it to them quick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're chrome lined, so we can't touch those. The Saigas and the Vepers are chrome lined, so that that's a, that's a problem. But it's still like they just eat up the tooling, just like you know the Italian barrels too. So uh, yeah. we've done a couple. There's there's like three Saigas out there with Vang barrels on them, and they they run great. Uh, you just got to keep them clean. I mean, that's always a trade-off with semi-auto shotguns is how long you can have between cleaning because they're, they're so dirty. That's why those 1301s run so well with the self-cleaning gas system. And, you know, the 940s running sort of that OR3 gun style stuff. It's scraping that tube every time you, you foul it, every time you press the trigger. But as the piston reciprocates, it scrapes that stuff and ex- it exhausts it to the atmosphere. Yeah, it's interesting. We haven't seen any of the 940s come through class yet. Um, I'm kind of interested to see how they do when when we see one. Yeah, they're great, man. I mean, we shot. Oh, you you were there at the first summit, and who was running that? Uh, uh, Evie. Evie had Fisher's yeah. had Fisher's gun and was running it, and it seemed to do okay. Yeah, and Fisher I didn't was saying, have any issues with it. Right. Well, it took a pound of flesh from her, but that's that's just shotguns. Well, that's because <laughs> we we know why. We know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm anxious to to get mine going i've i've had a, a test unit you know for r&d purposes for a little bit and it's unfortunately uh, to date met the same fate as many other unfired shotguns in the safe but you know there's there's a couple of things i've got in mind in particular for that which are kind of on the horizon of going forward half of me wanted to say like 
man, maybe I'll just bring that out in, in, a, in a couple of weeks to see a mat just, just so you can see one go through a class. But uh, especially hearing Jeremy talk a bit about the, you know, the 940s and just kind of the direction that Mossberg has been taken lately. Uh, I'm, it seems pretty promising for sure. I see uh, one of the revolver degenerates says that that looks like a product improved abominator Owen would approve. So funny you mentioned that. I actually did show that to Larry in person uh, earlier this year and, and uh, had him autograph one of my magazines. As it should be. So anyone else have anything on MagFed shotguns, semi or pump? I wish I did. I've never, I've never gotten to mess with one. I mean, the, yeah. some of some of the newer ones look pretty interesting for sure. But uh, I mean, I, I've, I've always just kind of kept my distance because of the reliability issues yeah. with them previously in the earlier days anyway. So yeah, I did get to shoot one of the Genesis 12 uh, AR pattern guns recently at the, the recoil had a can con event up here in, in Phoenix um, I didn't get to shoot a lot, like a magazine or two through it, and it was suppressed, and it had a whole lot of blowback in my face. Mm. Um, got a lot of carbon and Vaseline sprayed back in my face. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, that's just suppressors in general. That, that happens. Um, but it was controllable, and, I mean, the ones they had there, they're putting a lot of rounds through them, and they seem to hold up reasonably well. So, small sample, but if they can make... You know, the, the, the AR is a, is a more ergonomic platform than the AK. Uh, just, it is. So if they can make an AR pattern mag-fed shotgun run, that's going to be, in my opinion, better than an AK pattern shotgun, just from a, from a user interface perspective. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I agree with you. And on the Genesis note, those, so those guns that you shot, they actually had Genesis barrels. Uh, those are Van Comp barrels in those Genesis. So we've, we've been working with them for a while. Um, they're great dudes. They have a lot of engineering in house. They were actually behind that Raz 12. Remember the rimless 12 gauge they tried yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of their designers, I, I believe, I, I don't know hundred percent, which uh, I know Theodore is their guy. Now he spent a lot of time on that magazine and it's, it's interesting how you pull a rimmed cartridge uh, out of a magazine and then stick it in the chamber parallel. Cause the problem they were having was it tipping over and hitting on the crimp. And so their magazine has a ton of technology in it. And I've, I'm really excited about their little 10 round drum. Cause it's, it sticks out as much as the five round stick does, but it's a little tight little drum and yeah, Genesis in my book, it's, it's good to go. It's a really great gun. It's just expensive for now. I mean, I think it's uh, you can, you can drop that 12 gauge upper on any uh, DPMS gen one pattern lower, and you've got yourself a 12 gauge with the same serial number as your 308 you know take take that with what you will i mean we'll see how uh yeah. how stuff goes in the united states as far as registration but uh yeah it's a cool it's a cool thing to have if you swap out the upper but you know it's like two grand and uh the magazines are proprietary but they should be because they're great and they work in that little 308 magwell so now genesis is great they, they got a little short recoiling system on there uh really cool handguard the barrel free floats in the center of it so they can put muzzle extensions on there like you know threaded taper adapters and breacher devices and all that other stuff so 
you know yeah, it's neat how they can put a can on a on a recoiling barrel like that, that that's right. really cool yeah so it doesn't it doesn't touch the barrel it's it's on the handguard so the the barrel comes through there's a little tiny forcing cone at the end of the uh that cap on the forend where the barrel reciprocates through there about a quarter inch. And so there's a, another quarter inch forcing cone. And for that reason, those things shoot really tight patterns. I mean, they've got, uh, especially with the can on there, the, um, what are they running? The JK can, it's got those little trumpets on the inside and it's, it's sort of like, you know, six different forcing cones stacked in front of there. Cause that's why you, you had that Vaseline in your face. They use that as, as an ablative inside the can to make it quieter. And, yep. um, but that shot columns traveling through there. And every time it travels through one of those trumpets, it gets pushed back together. So it's almost elongating the barrel. And as long as it's not deforming the pellets, it it's, they, they shoot really well. So I, I do like those, but, um, one, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say it, it's a neat, neat system. And I think there's some, a lot of potential in there from what I've seen. I'd, I'm kind of waiting to see how they shake out in the long term. but I mean, as far when it comes to the mechanics of how shotguns work, I default to Cody's opinion <laughs> <laughs> and Adams, they know more about the engineering. I, I'm like, oddball. I do not, but, but Cody is, you're on the right track with Cody. I mean, you guys are too kind. I'm like oddball and Kelly's heroes. You know, I just ride them. I don't know what makes them work. <laughs> hey Cody, yeah. do you think uh, there's any chance one of those might make its way over to Thunderstick Summit this fall? This fall, we can bring a couple. Yeah, you can. Oh, you can play. Oh, that'd be that. awesome. Yeah, that'd dude. be interesting to check it out. Yeah, we don't have the John Wick version. The SBM was is the new one, and a BM meaning breacher model, not not bow movement. You can give <laughs> you can give them a hard time about See, that. Thanks, thanks for the clarification, Cody. <laughs> I know. Hey, sometimes you got to say these things. Um, but uh, yeah, the breacher model has it's like a it's got a counterweight in it. It's really interesting. It's sort of like a, a mod deuce. Um, it's uh, it's got a sprung counterweight to make the thing run when there's something touching the muzzle and it's it's really cool it's it's a lot of cool engineering especially on that magazine and so yeah we can bring them out uh, genesis isn't like as a company they're not going to be at this event this year but I'm, I'm hoping next year we'll be able to get them and, and langdon involved and uh you know some other people that were missing just to just get representation across from everybody but, but yeah um Genesis would be a really cool one. Cody is their, their main guy over there. He's the guy you see on camera and uh, just something about shotguns and Cody's, I guess, but I was going to say, it's right. not going to get confusing at all. <laughs> not at all. So, um, but yeah, I just want to say, cause Matt was asking kind of wrapping up, you know, the stick fed stuff. Um, our, you know, I've been with Vancom, like I said, on the payroll for 18 years. And every time we we always kind of talk about stick fed stuff and we, we've got to, you know, clear our math out spit, but uh Really, to me, the really short stuff, when I saw the, you know, the Serp, the Serbu super shorties and all those things, the limitation of a tube fed magazine is that the barrel length and the, the magazine capacity are linked together if they're going to be the same length. So I always thought like, hey, if we can do a Serbu super shorty with a little Saiga magazine, that would be awesome because then it's a, a tiny little package. You know, you got yourself a little master key and it's not, the capacity is not limited by the length of the gun. Uh, it, you've got a whole nother dimension to add, add space to. So, okay. yeah. On the subject of capacity, I mean, one 12 gauge shells are big. That's mm -hmm. just the way of the world. And so, like I said, my, my, this thing's the size of like a 25 round 308 mag, but it holds five rounds of 12 gauge. Um, uh, so 
I've always kind of thought that it would be interesting for these mag fed guns. If somebody would modernize the 20 gauge, you know, if you get a 20 gauge with like an eight pellet number one buck load plated flight control wad, I mean, I've wanted that for years, but you start throwing it in a box mag gun. You've got shorter mags, lighter mags, uh, lighter gun. I, I think that could be an interesting way forward. But the problem is it's a, it's a chicken and the egg thing. Um, nobody wants 20 gauge because there's no good defensive ammo for it compared to 12. And nobody makes good defensive ammo for it because nobody's wants 20 gauge. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's just awful because 20 gauge has so much potential. Uh, if somebody would do a proper reduced recoil, eight pellet, number one buck flight control load and put it in a lightweight uh, shotgun, I think that would open things up dramatically for smaller frame people. Um and I think it would have great implications for things like box mag guns. Well, it one. kind of, no, I, I agree with you, but on, on the box mag, like your the short shells for 12 gauge kind of solved that problem as far as the smaller frame shooters or, you know, I mean, Matt, you ran that gallery gun at the uh, ANCON, that little 590S that we had with a suppressor on it. Yep. Yeah. And so to me, as far as the training implications and smaller frame shooters or people not wanting to have to, you know, a nine pound 12 gauge for three days during a shotgun class, uh, a 590S with short shells kind of solves that problem too. And just to push back on the, the box mag, I don't think it would add that much extra capacity. The diameter between 12 gauge and 20 gauge isn't too huge. And because we're going in this vertical space instead of underneath the magazine tube, I think the short shells would give you more, more, uh, you know, serving sizes in a given space than a box mag would. That's uh, possible. Just because the double stacks and everything like uh, you guys saw the, the photos today of the, uh, of that Mossberg with the, with the AR selector and the box magazine. Did you guys see that? Yeah. No, yeah. no, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Not a clue. Hey, that NDA's gone. It's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got, we got the clearance from Jeremy, but uh, yeah, that's exactly what I had in mind when when i first saw those serbu super shorties i was like if we could stick a box mag on this you could actually go take a bunch of doors down with this and uh so yeah mossberg did it uh they got cool guards on the controls and everything but yes. their magazine is awesome it's really really good it's over engineered i've never seen a stoppage on it now i've only seen about a thousand rounds through it matt at our, our old secret shooting spot out in the prescott forest we we burned down a 30 round or sorry a 20 round mag a 10 round mag and a five round mag and we couldn't get a stoppage it was we we had literal we had four cases of ammo that we is me uh richard and my little brother and we all just shot it and yeah it was it was great cool to see got them dirty got them hot and those magazines still ran so did you say 20 round yeah they've got 20 a 20 round, round. yeah so it's a, a standing one. monopod pretty much yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much you know, uh, talking about those short shells, Cody, one of the things that I would like to see with that, especially to address the whole smaller statute shooter thing. Um, so that, that, that Mossberg that you had out at CanCon that I shot, it's a regular size Mossberg. If you were to take that gun and shrink the receiver 
to be the proportionate length for those short shells with a shorter bolt throw, uh, shorter overall length. Uh, you could cut out some weight. You could cut out some some manipulation movements. Um, I think that could really bring out the potential in those shells. I agree, and we're I. So it's not like it's not out there yet, but we plan to do one because it's really not that tough to to make that action cycle uh, shorter. Um, but to, to shorten the receiver, it's a big it's a big deal. But we just want to sort of see what it does if it you know if we can get that cyclic rate down. Shorten you know, the action throw, yeah. Yeah. And uh, to me, the importance of that on a pump gun is not the speed, but the margin of error for a short stroke. Yeah. And, and especially the smaller people that I, that I teach, the smaller frame shooters generally have a smaller reach and getting out to the pump and having enough leverage to run it is, is an issue. So if you can make them start further back and not have to go as far, I mean, that's, that could be some major improvements for some people. I mean, yeah. that's one of the big reasons um, we have smaller frame shooters show up. Uh, I generally recommend a semi-auto to them because they, you know, instead of having to hold the gun way out here, they can hold the gun back here and they don't have to extend their arm as much. And especially with push pull, the you know if you have a little bend in your arm, it gives you the leverage to push. Whereas if you're all the way extended, you really don't have the ability to to get that forward tension out and soak up the recoil. And that's yeah. even more important for those smaller people. You know, I can get away with not push pulling once or twice because I'm a big hefty guy. You know, you get somebody like like Melody Lauer. We had her in class uh, earlier this year, and I mean she's just a tiny little thing. But with push pull, she can run that gun. Yeah, that's great. And like you said, being able to grab it further back, if you get if your elbows cocked a little bit, you get better pressure for that tension. I've seen that in your class enough times. But uh, it's that's that's like one of the only arguments for those four ends that overlap the the receiver. It's because yep. uh, you can reach it sooner. Now, yeah, you can't have a more than like a two round side saddle on the side because it's going to reciprocate you, all the way back. You, you can get a four round. I've I've got a twenty gauge set up like that with the old longer overlapping hunting forend. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and I've got like a four round tack star on that gun. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's just, just to your point of that. Um, if they can grab the gun sooner, they can set up the tension sooner and yeah, run everything back. I've, I don't know if you guys have seen that instructor zero video of him running that, uh, fab arms ST 12. I think no. that's the model. It's a fab arms. It's a, uh, it's a crazy, it's super expensive, heavy duty, you know, really durable, all metal pump gun. I think it's from Italy and he's running that gun. I mean, he's getting like, 12 splits on a pump gun and it's it's just a very short reciprocation he's you know because he's it's got that overlapping forend so his his hands are almost touching when he runs the action so it's yeah. pretty it's pretty cool it's neat to see and the dude's just dumping shells out of there i mean i know i know some of the contents you know take it or leave it but the dude's running that gun really well well i've i've got a was it 572 i think it, it's it's basically an 870 shrunk down to 22 oh cool oh, oh it's it's fun gun especially you know it's threaded and with a can and like <laughs> 25 rounds of 22 short in the magazine it's just <laughs> um but yeah i mean the the throw on it's like it's a wonderful gun for teaching new shooters how to operate a pump 
uh, especially since the the controls on it, other than loading the magazine, the controls on it are literally 870. It takes 870 trigger packs. I'm going to have to find one of those. That's yeah, awesome. It takes like 20 gauge 870 stocks. Uh, and then just your typical, like I, I have a Vang safety on mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I got to add that to the compatibility list. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say it's a 572 is a model number, That's but cool. I could be wrong. But it's, a, it's a great little, little deuce deuce. <laughs> Good stuff. Another option that a lot of people don't recognize is clearly the circuit judge. <laughs> 410. <laughs> Technically a shotgun. No, bad. <laughs> bad, Matt, no donut. So to me, this was really interesting. Just because, I, and I said this in a prior modcast, I don't have use for a judge, really. Circuit judge, though, that seems kind of interesting. The only problem is, as I said in the other episode, yeah, I can't find 410 shells anywhere. How's the... Uh... How's the cylinder gap on that? Do you, you get anything on the forearm when you're running it? No, there's nothing. There's hardly any gap at all. Oh, good. I, cool. I'm, I'm saying that as somewhat as a joke, but there's a use for it. There, there's a use for it. It's not going to be a use that most people listening to this episode are going to need because they already have seven different things that do the same job, but. I mean, okay. because I want it is a legitimate reason for having a gun. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. In America. I was talking now, to a, a gunsmith about that. They were saying, you know, hey, what do I do to get into a gun? He just got out of gunsmithing school. What do I do? How do I how do I make my name? You know, just kind of just asking for general advice. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> if you want to make a comfortable living, you know, just find a market that needs a gunsmith and go do your thing. You're going to love what you do and it's going to be great. If you want to make a lot of money, uh, I've heard that, uh, you should invent a widget. And, uh, and I'm like, find a, find a, a niche and find what people need and make that and do it better than everyone else. And, uh, we joked about that. I'm like, how about the revolving carbines? I think, I think that's an unserviced market. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon, but yeah, I love those things. Quick detach cylinders. Yes. <laughs> like oh, the, get your uh, pale rider on. Exactly. Oh yeah. Pale rider. <laughs> Yeah, Cry six twelve, right, Adam? Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's, it's so close, it's right there. <laughs> Missed it by that much. <laughs> what was the, uh, that that Pancor jackhammer that never yeah. actually got made? It like saw use in video games all throughout the aughts. Yeah, but like they never actually made. I think they made like one tool room prototype or something. Ian's got a video on it somewhere. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, uh, we love Ian. God bless him. He hasn't died. Anyway, if anyone's listening to this, I think we're going, what happened? No, he's fine. He's no, fine. I was out. I was out shooting with him on Sunday. It, yeah. was, it was awesome. Yeah. What were you out there shooting? Uh, may have been uh, playing a little with a war crime stick. Nice. Uh, had an 1897 Winchester out doing some, a little bit of myth busting with it. Nice. What, uh, what year manufacturer? Uh, it was a World War One era gun. It That's was awesome. a, uh, and he he put a video out about it about the gun itself. I think yesterday, and the next ones are coming out soon. The, the shooting videos. Awesome. But it was um, it was from the correct serial number block of World War One Marshall procured shotguns. <laughs> it had some 
like replacement parts. They were correct in that they were trench gun parts, but like he had a World War II stock on it that had the cartouche of a new made World War II stock and not a fact, not an arsenal rebuild of a World War One gun with a World War II stock. So, you know, it's, 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 it has all the the original trench gun parts. It is an original trench gun, but it's not like a hundred percent correct. So you don't have to feel bad about going out and shooting the thing. <laughs> yeah. I gotta love that. Yeah. And I don't, because it hasn't released yet, I don't want to give too much away, but it, it's a fun video. Uh, we did some, some really interesting stuff with some various ammunition. Um, anybody know what that is? That's some high brass. Uh-huh. That's a, that's a, uh, is it paper. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's a, it's a, it's an actual military procured U S property marked commercial Remington double lot buckshot. Oh, cool. From world war two. That's awesome. So I'm jealous. It was neat stuff. So Cody, you brought up something. We talked about it a little bit more, but I suspect you have a little better insight as to this thing where NDA is now lifted. I, yeah, I mean, I've, I saw the procurement and I know that what uh, question that was, that gun's an answer to. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a procurement. I mean, a while back, it's it, force modernization stuff is happening across all the defense logistics agency mm-hmm. stuff, which mm-hmm. is like the, the mall that all the government agencies and OGAs go to buy their stuff, mm-hmm. defense logistics agency. But FBI put out a, a requirement for a, they want a solicitation for modernizing a breacher stuff and they wanted to have a breacher gun that could have long and short barrels that had at least a capacity of six. So they wanted at least six rounds. Cause that was the idea was a three hinge door with two rounds a piece. And, you know, we, uh, we saw that and they, they wanted suppressor capability, which was kind of interesting too. And so, yeah, I mean, I thought the Genesis was kind of the shoe in for that, but when I heard about the Mossberg stuff, I was like, how are, how are we doing that? You know, and Fisher will tell you, and I mean, there's, there's many people that actually do breaching for a living, but, um, the, um, there was a concern on the safety of the guns, you know, the people had, you know, slung guns behind and maybe, you know, hits, hit people on accident. And, uh, so, um, the safety switch on that Mossberg, the idea was that it's pistol grip and everyone knew, Hey, you can't activate the safety of a Mossberg if you have a pistol grip on it. So Mossberg corrected that by putting a, a switch very similar to an AR 15 on the side of the receiver. So from a pistol grip orientation, you can toggle the gun onto safe and that way you can sling it and go clear the house with whatever your primary long gun is. So it was, it was neat. And similar to what I was talking about where I saw, see the Serbu um, short, a short barrel gives you uh, maneuverability and then the box magazine gives you capacity. So you don't have to, you know, swap out the, it, it, to reload the tube, you know, to stuff, the tube takes a lot of dexterity. Um, it, heck, if you've got a 10 round box magazine on you and maybe one spare, then uh, you're, you can get through a lot of doors on a structure. So yeah. um, I also yeah. noticed, and we were talking about it earlier when, when Matt showed us a picture that, um, one particularly nice touch I saw was it looked like they had a shroud around the top of that safety mm-hmm. to keep it, 
to minimize the chance of it getting accidentally disengaged when you drop it. And, and that seems like a really good idea. I mean, I am not a breaching guy caveat, but that seems like a, uh, a pretty solid thought out idea there. Yeah. Agreed. It's like a fence, you know, on the controls of regular ARs, they get a fence or, you know, bring something above the, that terrain, you know, if, if it's slapping on your gear. So yeah, they did a, I'm, I'm really happy with it. And, uh, yeah, there's one more step of that procurement. That's going to be interesting. So I, I'm not, uh, you know, trying to tease people, but it, I'm really excited to see that next one. So this neat. it's cool. Yeah. It's really neat. So a question that we had, um, and we couldn't tell just by looking at it. Can you put a butt stock on that? It looked like it had like a socket at the back there to put a stock on. Yeah. Uh, the ones that I saw, they were actually the, so the 590 M that's M like Mike, that's their magazine fed designation that receivers uh, it's different. And so some components on it are a little longer. It's sort of, it's a lot bigger ejection port, you know, the, and the controls are moved around like their super mag stuff. So they're nine thirty fives and they're eight thirty fives, 3.5 at the end of those models are the designation for three and a half inch receivers. So they're made, it's their goose guns and everything. And so those detachable magazine models are on a larger frame. So uh, the one that I saw was exactly that, which takes Mossberg stocks. So it's got the same, um, you know, horseshoe shape on the back with the through yep. bolt. Um, so what that one, I, the one in the photo, it looks like an ergo product, which means that thing's actually made out of polymer, which might not be the best choice, but I don't design shotguns for a living. So I don't know, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that might be a cool upgrade, but yes, one could, uh, if it was the Mossberg shape, you could absolutely slap a little side folder on there. Go have a good time. Very cool. Any other new shotgun stuff that you guys can, or the, the shotguns themselves that you can think of? New ones? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, um, we talked about, now we talked about the 940 um, in a couple episodes, but you weren't part of that discussion. Um, and also the, a, is it the A300 Patrol? Yep. Now, what if they made one of those in a 32 ACP though? That would be I mean, something. They do. They do. Every time I press trigger, I get eight or nine 32 pellets going down. <laughs> that goes out to Ben, who's listening right now. And now <laughs> the project every yeah, time we every, it's one month later. That's another month delay on the on the ADX and 32. Every yeah, time see, I you just it. said in chat. That's Ben's month. in chat. That's great. That's another month. <laughs> That's funny. You want to go for two? I could do this all day. Three months. <laughs> Reddits are crap. Don't buy them. No, uh, they're great. I, I actually thought they did a great job with this particular gun. Yeah. Was Looks Ben's like that famous guy from the TFB video of you guys shooting out in the desert, right? <laughs> yeah. Who's the, the sexy gentleman in the background? Ben, yep. if you need to get on, just say something in chat and I'll add you. Um, oh, get him off. Yeah, get looks, Ben in here. It looks like you have something on the, it's silver in color. It looks familiar. I can't quite place it. Oh, it's yeah, so this silver. is uh, this is Adam's new bolt catch, uh, which I have to admit, I was very skeptical of at first. So probably the most common user-induced malfunction we see with semi-autos, particularly the Bredas, is... I've already hit that. 
when guys are doing an emergency reload through the ejection port, whether it's over the top or under the bottom, they tend to hit this and it catches the bolt handle and then they go to shoot and it doesn't work because it's not in battery. So I had been talking with, with Ben and a few other people about how what we really, what I'd really like to see is a fence around at least the lower part of, of the bolt catch so that you don't hit it by accident when you come up here to drop a shell in. Um, for various reasons, that didn't seem to be uh, feasible. Uh, and then Adam comes out with this, and I'm thinking, why the hell is he making the catch larger? That's going to make it worse. Um, but that uh, when he came out to our home range uh, over in, in eastern Ohio uh, back during the summer, he brought these prototypes out, and we put several hundred rounds through them. And what I and and pretty much all one reload one. Yeah. We were doing reloads the entire time we were out there burning through that ammo. And what I found was the, the factory part has almost like a, a rounded cross section. It's got a little almost ramp. And as you're sliding it over, you, it has a tendency to kind of depress that latch, this flat eridus part, the shell just slides across that flat and doesn't seem to depress it as much. Uh, I need more time on it. I need several more shooting sessions with it, but playing with it, I mean, for, for a one day shooting session, that was a fairly extensive one, but it was still just one day. Um, It really seemed to reduce that tendency to inadvertently activate uh, on this gun doing an under the, under uh, the gun port load. So it, it surprised me, but very cool. I ought to know by now, Adam kind of knows what he's about. Kind of. I do my Um, best. I do my best. So out of curiosity, then, what is the parts compatibility between the A300 Patrol and the 1301? So, Ben, feel free to correct me (laughs) since I see you're on here now. Um, But they do take the same sights. Yeah, is that my cue? Yeah, Yeah, that's your cue, Ben. That's your cue. (laughs) Uh, So... That part specifically is 100% compatible between the two guns. Uh, the extended bolt release with the three for the three inch gun is is the same exact part between the 1301 and the A300. Hmm. That the actual bolt release segment of that is the same between the three and three and a half inch guns. So Adam's bolt release will work on the A400 Extreme Plus as well. So for all the duck hunters, that's probably a cool thing. Uh, then specifically between the 1301 and A300 Patrol, yeah, you've got the bolt release. The stock profile is the same so long as you don't need to remove the stock bolt. So 1301 stock, the factory, the Beretta OEM stocks will interchange. Uh, the sights are the same drill and tap pattern. So the Crom will work on both equally well. Um, the adjustable side from the 1301 will fit on the A300 if you want to upgrade that. Which is uh, what I rip- did with mine. I, this is my 1301 has Crom on it, and I I took the 1301 sight off of that gun out of my parts bin and threw it on the A300 when I got it. Yeah, the uh, yeah that works great. The reptilian mount interchanges between the two guns. 
Um, the mat, so the handguards are the same length and roughly the same spec. The real ch- difference is in the bolt stop and or the piston stop and the receiver made up. So your tube extensions, Nordic is doing a new extended tube covering that's uh, metal with a barrel clamp. So that'll work on both 1301 and A300. And there might be stuff in the future that helps bridge additional gaps between those platforms. I I took my barrel clamp off. What I I found that the, it tended to walk under recoil. There's no mechanical retention on it. It's just friction, and under recoil, it, it was sliding. So I you don't need it. So I just took it off and put an M lock sling swivel right there, and it solves the problem. Zeus, does that one have a screw in choke? Yeah, this one has the the threaded the threaded chokes. So right. the barrel bells out there at the end, right? It's a thicker, it's a bigger diameter on the outside, so it kind of it bells out. It's a cylinder about three inches back, and then it trumpets, it bells out to a the larger diameter at the chokes. I'll be damned! It kind of does just a tiny bit. I never noticed that. It's like a <laughs> blunderbuss. <laughs> I think that's that's supposed to be that mechanical stop for that clamp. But I don't know if that is what it was designed for. Ben might have some info on that. But yeah, I'm interested that Nordic's going to make one with a built-in and that'll likely have a mechanical stop so that thing doesn't walk off the end. Yeah, that that's what it needs. If you're going to have a barrel clamp, I've, I've never been a big fan of them. It just makes it one more piece to take the thing apart. Um, but if you're going to have one, have something that mechanically prevents it from walking because friction is not going to cut it. Uh, I've seen that happen numerous times. Barrel clamps really, really matter when it's an ex- it's a tube extension because that is under spring pressure and you do need that extra bit of friction to stop it from rotating under recoil. Since ours is a tube cover, it's probably not as necessary. And contrary to popular belief, Beretta does hear the market and occasionally listen. So we're, we're always <laughs> Every working. now and again. We're always working on stuff. There, you will see inline revisions from us on product over the next few years. Um, now that we've got the factory move behind us, there's there's a lot on there's a lot going on in the kitchen. Cool. And there's gonna we will have a bread episode in the in the fairly near future. So this is a good warm up for for Ben. Yep. Need to get him more in the public eye. He's a good dude. Well, he's on our Discord, too. Yeah, I'm okay with behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) What? Ben is the new face of Beretta? Is that what I mean? Yes, exactly. That that TFB thing, I was was like, James, get get, get Ben on camera. Get him, get him. (laughs) It was awesome. It was like a white buffalo spotting. (laughs) It's Ben on camera. a uh, little bit of behind the scenes. It wasn't going to happen, but there were some finer technical points in the initial video edit that needed someone on camera to kind of have different B-roll of. <laughs> so there's one thing filmed on one day, and I kind of stepped in the next day to back clean up. That was yeah, not yeah. planned. You did a great job. You did. Next uh, will be the swimsuit things. <laughs> uh, 
Oh dear. <laughs> uh, you know, of all the Italian pieces of clothing that we do, I don't think we do that. Okay. That surprises me. So what other new shotgun shotguns are out there that you guys have been messing with? Anything else that you can think of? It's, I mean, it's not really new, but the, the Remington V3, mm -hmm. you know, it was the Versamax and then the V3 attack 13, you know, they launched it as that before freedom group went out and that's, that's a fun little gun, nice and clean, lightweight. Uh, it doesn't have a receiver extension on it. So you can, the stock options are pretty cool. Um, and that's why it came out as attack 13. It was a pistol grip 12 gauge that, that actually ran, you know, PGF with a little 13 inch barrel. So cool. They got a blend of, uh, inertia and gas, a really lean, a variable port system that, uh, it, uh, lets more gas in the shorter the cartridge is, and then or the shell and then, uh, lets less gas in the longer it is. Cause the, the shells physically block some gas orifices in the chamber. And so, um, those have been great. I like those. They're fun. Um, you know, the Beretta, the A300 Ultima patrols amazing. And the, the 1301 is also great, uh, you know, has been for a long time. So it, it definitely, they, they cast a long shadow and, yeah. uh, with Remington being dormant for three years. Um, that's, there's, there's no doubt that, uh, Brett has definitely taken advantage of that and it's great to see. And I really like the, uh, you know, the bread of USA stuff really pushing it out of Gallatin. So, yep. um, really cool, but yeah, not a lot of new, new, Hey, there you go. Yes. <laughs> um, not a lot of new, new shotgun stuff. Um, but that a 300 Ultima patrols, you know, the, the coolest thing since sliced bread and it works great. It's got a really nice, we like all the controls on it and, you know, Matt did a great job helping influence that the texture on the fore end and making sure all that stuff runs. It's, it's amazing. So we're, we're really excited. I got to give kudos to Ben on that as well. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he took our input and helped, you know, kind of, kind of translate that into, uh, into final physical form. So, I mean, it, a, they listened and B, they, you know, they, they did a very good job understanding as well. So uh, that was very much a team effort and it turned out very well. I like that. I like that handguard quite a bit. I like the gun quite a bit. Um, I think it's going to be a great option for people that maybe don't want or don't need to spend the money on a 1301. They can get most of it uh, with the A300. So I got a question for you guys regarding those semi-auto Beretta shotguns. One of the topics we've discussed in the past was taking something like that and having an equivalent in a 50 state legal configuration. So this is, was a concept Daryl Bulky brought up, basically having a hunting shotgun that set up. It appears to be a hunting shotgun, but guess what? It also happens to work great for anti-personnel purposes. Between the 1301 and the A300, what is the hunting variant that also could be? And this, this might sound like a simple question, but not everyone's going to be overly familiar with the, the ins and outs of the different product lines. If you love your 1301 or your A300, what is the equivalent on the hunting side? Well, could, could you actually remind me where the stop-off point is to make it 50 state legal? So part of it is appearance as well. Okay. Yeah. So it might be magazine capacity. 
it might be uh, mostly though it's it's appearance it's so if 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 they get pulled over and some fud cop looks at it and goes oh you shouldn't have that versus oh that's clearly my duck gun nothing you don't need to be concerned within our lineup that would likely be the turkey guns so we have an a300 ultima turkey with a 24 inch barrel Mm -hmm. it comes in the latest and greatest both real tree and mossy oak patterns specifically for turkey um it's got the restrict it's got the tube restriction in there like any other uh hunting shotgun but like all of our hunting shotguns there's an instruction there's a tutorial online to bring that up to five rounds cool um now we are actually coming out with a five shot skew patrol for those in the lesser fortunate states so that's also an easy answer but it's going to be black and tactical so if you want something really stealth yeah it's going to be the turkey gun with the restrictor removed or my personal ones just my vancom 870 simtac that i put some wood furniture on is that <laughs> very stealth and boy does it work yeah yeah how do we put wood on the a300 uh the turkey gun Careful. actually there's already wood for it for the patrol i'm working on the forend is tricky clearing that annular gas system um yeah i'm comfortable saying that's that's something that's on my side project list and has been for a minute because i want it um but as i said we've got a very busy kitchen right now so side projects are kind of very much to the side so the a400 you've got a wood model on that but the like we talked about before that does not translate to the a300 um there is a single and eric stern knows the exact skew off the top of his head i do not there was some eastern european (laughs) wood variant that did actually use an annular gas system so there is a very esoteric wood a400 forend that you might be able to find on like serbian gun broker Hell yeah. Put on your 1301. Um, <laughs> I must find. I must find. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a very real thing about uh, appearances. Yeah. You know, I, I had a, one of my favorite college professors was an old retired army SF guy who started teaching sociology in college. Um, he told me reality's one thing perception is everything and i think there's a lot of truth to that in a lot of realms and you know being able to to point you know hey you only so you you had to shoot a guy god forbid you got to shoot a guy do you want it to be with the big scary tacticaled out gun or do you want it to be with grandpa's duck gun you know, one of those looks better to a jury. And if you can get both, if you can get the performance of the tactical out gun with the appearance of the traditional safe, uh, everybody knows about it, hunting gun, there, there's some benefit to that. Absolutely. A300 now, Ultima Patrol Tiger Stripe. There's that. Hey, <laughs> that looks really cool. You got, is there one in stock somewhere? Where'd you find that? I'm just looking at the website. Just okay. Right they're, they're, they're on obtainium. Yeah. Dad wanted one so bad. 
Yeah, I think wood, you know, put wood on it, put a vent rib on it. If you can make it a glossy finish and that's your urban camouflage. I mean, yeah, most, man. most folks won't know, you know what it is. Hey, it's Ben. Vent nice rib, thing. all the things. Yeah. A 400 Excel sporting. There you good. go. Yeah. Vent rib, all the things. I love <laughs> vent ribs. We're, we're playing with the idea right now. I've got, I'm talking to um guy over at wilson combat to get get our next site allocation um maybe doing a a, a mad hot model of the simtac mod do a 14 inch vent rib it's gonna be cool so, speaking of <laughs> got my simtac model here with your hoag uh, forend i see yeah I, I i like the hoags I, i'm weird like that it does mean that it makes it more difficult to mount a light on it on the yeah. gun um, for my purposes as a home defense weapon, you know, I have a light switch and easy reach that will illuminate anything I need to shoot from the bedroom. So that's, that's a, 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 a good situation that, that reduces my need to, for that, but just a nice foreign for shooting. It feels good in the hand. But yeah. You get this thing vent ribbed up. Yes, yeah, sir. 14 inch. Yeah, that's our our new guy, Rich. Actually, Matt, Rich asked me to tell you Rich Roop says hi. Uh, oh, cool. So, so, um, so yeah, Rich is he's getting really good. Um, doing some really nice, you know, just manual machine stuff to blend our sights into vent ribs. And so he's he's spun up on that. He really excels at that really nice seamless silver solder job, joining you know to similar metals together. He's he's a he's like an artist. So um, that now we can do the the scatter gun front sight blended into the vent rib. That's so it's awesome. gonna it's gonna be neat. So yeah, well I'll yeah. send you some pictures on that later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, a, a matte version of the Simtac gun would be kind of cool. Yes, sir. I'm just looking at the Beretta site, looking at all the shotguns going, I want one of those and one of those and one of those. <laughs> I will tell you, speaking of something new and interesting, uh, this is one of those things where I always knew something and maybe I was wrong. I'm not sure. It bears further testing. Uh, but when I was out shooting that trench gun this past weekend, I mean, it's Arizona. It's 110 degrees. We're in direct sunlight out in the desert. And we were putting a decent number of rounds through it in rapid succession. And I was amazed at how much that heat shield actually did the job. <laughs> like Even without gloves, I, you know, I could hold on to the gun and my thumb wrapped around and hit that heat shield. It no big deal. Um, that surprised me. I didn't expect it to be as effective as it was. Did you have a shoulder thing that went up? Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. That's what that is. That is the shoulder thing that goes up. That barrel shroud. You know, it's so funny, you know, for the longest time you'd see, you know, especially in, in you know, a decade ago or so anyways, on, on forums, look at tactical shotguns and everybody would, you know, poo poo any kind of, you know, barrel shroud or anything. And then, you know, I'm, I'm in a class and we're doing, <laughs> we're doing this and we're doing over the shoulder loading. And we're like, Hey, wait a second here. That would actually be really, really handy. I mean, that's, nice one of the things, that's one of the things I like about vent ribs is it kind of gives you a little standoff and it's not quite as hot. It, it gives you a little bit of, of leeway there. Not perfect, but a little bit. Um, 
Yeah, but that that uh, that heat shield on that ninety seven was surprisingly uh, effective at its intended purpose. Um, now that said, I, I may have casually looked around to see what was available in the commercial aftermarket heat shield market for eight seventies. And <laughs> don't do it. No, no, <laughs> right. they, they all look like just poorly thought out attachment methods. They Did you see? Like... You saw the plastic one with the yeah. built into it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I was tempted to get one just to see how quick I could melt it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then I'd have to scrape all that melted plastic off my barrel. Um, see, now I'm looking yeah. up heat shields for 1301s. So <laughs> I, I get a lot of requests for it. I'll tell you that. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's something that it seems a lot of people uh, have a, have a desire for. And I think probably a lot of that is, um, you know, people understanding the different methods that they might actually use this thing. It's not, you know, it, it's using it in a defensive scenario is a whole lot different than there's, there's a bird, you know, oh, there, there, there's a, there's a, there's a clay target or whatever, you know, where you're actually, I mean, heck, so much of the movement that we did at, you know, Thunderstick Summit, you're going in and out, you know, me personally, I like kind of having the gun in this orientation with muzzle at the ground for being able to navigate other people and keep the muzzle in a safe direction. And just being able to have a lot of different options for where my hand gets placed is, is really nice. You know, so whether it's holding it in that position or whether it's, uh, you know, over the shoulder loading or whether it's just, you know, CQB short stocking, having your hand in different uh, positions and having options of not getting burned. Uh, yeah. it, it, it seems a lot of people are kind of getting cued into that. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, in our classes, we do short stocking where your thumb's going to be on the barrel. And because of the volume that we do, we tell every student, bring gloves, bring shooting gloves. Yeah. You're going to need them. Um, I think in civilian home defense, continental U S situations the odds of you running enough ammo through a shotgun to get it too hot to put your thumb on the barrel is like like tam says you're going to have your own wikipedia page at that point yes, yes. Um, but for training for training you're gonna get the gun hot and so until now the only real way to do it is i just wear gloves you know i got some of those magpul flight gloves i love those things um but chances are bumping the night, I'm not going to have my gloves on. Yep. And they do give you an issue with, they do reduce your, your manual dexterity for those fine skills like loading. Yeah, for sure. So having, having a way to, to protect yourself from the heat of the barrel seems like a, a decent, at least a decent goal. If we don't have a good way of doing it on, in the current market, that's different than the goal being incorrect, if that makes sense. Yeah. If the goal is to survive a shotgun class, that works. It's good yeah. to go. Keep the screws tight. Don't cut your hand on it. Yeah. <laughs> like the retrograde stuff from Mossberg. So uh, I, I have seen, I will say, and Cody, you saw it too. Uh, one good example of this on an 870, and that was uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck Madursky actually managed to machine or mill or modify like an Ithaca 37 trench gun 
bayonet lug and heat shield onto an 870. Uh, he had done some research that said that it might have been done at an individual unit level uh, in the Vietnam War. Uh, and he wanted to try it. And he brought that out to our class actually twice. Yeah. Uh, um, and that was a neat thing. And I, I think that attachment method that they used on those old trench guns where they actually had uh, longitudinal grooves through the barrel and they had screws through that that locked it in place. And then the heat shield is actually welded to uh, the bayonet lug. It's a very rigid attachment methodology. Uh, works a lot better than the the commercial stuff you see, but yeah, maybe I'm just crazy. But yeah, I see, ty uh, Ben's typing away as fast as he can. Oh, got to put this down. We're gonna have this on the next release. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, the only thing that that comes close to his irritation at my asking him for a 32 Cheetah, a what is? Yeah, exactly. Oh crap! There's another month. <laughs> they make a cheetah in 32. That's I have. Genius. I actually have one. It's right there. I've got like four of them. They're awesome. Um, but the the only other thing is I, I bug him for vent rib barrels on 1301 tacticals and uh, just use super glue. Just take it off any other uh, shotgun. Super glue it. It'll be fine. I I just like vent ribs. I like them aesthetically. Yeah, I like them practically. Um, everybody's physiology is on. What's that? Each each one gets put on my hand. So every time we ask that to the Italians, they just about kick us out of the country. <laughs> I will well, say that everybody's everybody's physiology, everybody's vision can be a little different. But for me personally, uh, the vent rib really helps. It helps me when I'm mounting the gun. It, it like confirms alignment as it's coming up. Um, I find it to be very useful to me. Not everybody feels the same way. And, and you know, if it doesn't, they make them without vent ribs too. get what works for you. Matt likes them so much. He has it at 12 at three and nine. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool. Have it at nine o'clock for some, yeah do some short stocking with yeah you. exactly you don't actually get down on the sites for short stocking don't hair lip yourselves people that's funny um shell selections what do you guys okay so for the longest time and even still federal flight control what is has been it but unfortunately it hasn't been something that people have been able to find unless you're lucky or you know people or you have a stash and you're using it very sparingly. What are your replacement options for, for people, social use? That's what I'm trying to say. I, I have this discussion all day with people. They, you know, people asking since, you know, what we do Titan shot patterns, um, they're asking what ammo does the Vancom system work the best with? And unfortunately the answer is it depends. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's everything that goes through it is going to travel through it like a perfectly machined concentric bore, not perfect, but you know, much better than a lot of the factory stuff from Remington and Mossberg. And, uh, it's, it's uh, concentric, you know, it's, it's square to the breech bolt, uh, square to the muzzle. So everything it's nice. It's been sort of blueprinted, but, um, so yeah, I say that, take that everyone who's listening, put that in your brain. It depends. But what we tend to see ammunition that's less than 1400 feet per second ammunition that's plated and 
if you can get eight pellets instead of nine, you're going to have a good time. That's uh, this tends to be the recipe. One of the reasons flight control works so well is you have almost no pellet deformation because all those pellets travel down the barrel in this Sabo that's uh, preventing those from touching the, the sides of the barrel. And lead, a low antimony lead is going to melt at about a thousand feet per second. If you look at pellet guns, they start to turn alloy projectiles when you get over a thousand feet per second. That's because the lead from friction starts to melt and then your projectile is not a circle anymore. So here we are pushing unplated buckshot into, you know, 1400 feet per second on a shotgun bore. And then you got three of them stacked in there, three by three by three. So you got three in this shot pellet, the shot column of three trying to lead this barrel. Now that's, that's the other thing. I mean, when three go through a little, you got three 33 caliber pellets in a circle, the three stooges at the end of a barrel, you've got your little yeah. 729,007 inch exit diameter. And you got three pellets trying to squeeze out of there at the same time. Uh, something's got to give. There was a really neat video I saw. Um, uh, I think it's high speed or ballistic high speed or high speed ballistics. Um, I posted about it on our Instagram, uh, I think yesterday. They did a really neat video with uh, high speed, like 250,000 frames a second photography of various bullets hitting glass. Now, the glass is cool. You can watch how quickly the cracks propagate. But the big thing was they shot some buckshot at some just sheets of glass. And you could see how deformed the pellets were. It was, it looked like typical Winchester Super X buckshot, high velocity, plain lead, no special wadding, no buffering. And I mean, they almost looked like cubes with round, you know, quasi rounded <laughs> corners flying nice. at this thing. And that's what makes pellets go all over the place and opens your patterns up. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfectly round object will fly perfectly straight. I mean, all the other laws of physics apply, but the more round you can make that thing, the better chance it is of, of going where you're pointing. Yeah. So. But that's um, good info. Um, well, it's just like a lot of the things that I like to, I, I like to bring up. It's difficult to provide a definitive. This is the answer. It's easier to say, these are parameters of things that work. Yep. And so as opposed to just saying, yep, if you don't get this, you are screwed. <laughs> so I, I think I do think there's a couple things with this. One is that absent flight control, sometimes even with flight control, you know, all shotgun barrels are special snowflakes. Yeah. Um, but absent flight control, you've got to do what we had to do for time immemorial prior to flight control, which is buy a couple boxes of everything you can find, shoot it through your gun each individual barrel, see what pattern's the best, and then lay in a stockpile of that yeah. for that gun. That's unfortunately simply how it is, even today. Um, it's rare, but I have had a couple of students come to class with guns that vastly preferred nine pellet flight control over eight by like, I mean, half the pattern size. Why? Hell, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird, but you can see the result and plan accordingly. Well, and that's, that's a, that's a good point with pretty much everything. Um, 
if you're smart about your purchases, there's a thread talking about uh, in a in a revolver group talking about the validity of 327 Federal Magnum. People are saying, "Oh, I can't find ammo. Can't, can't no, that's dumb." Well, if you f- actually have the ammo, if you stockpile it, it's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Same yeah. with shotgun stuff. Okay, don't be living box to box. Yep, we need to be living case to case, multiple cases at a time. And yep. it's not a bad idea though when you're going from case to case. Yeah. Do some updates. Yeah, because lot to lot varies. Yeah, yeah. So another thing, you also have to look at the context of what you're doing. If the longest shot in your house is seven yards, your buckshot selection in terms of pattern size probably doesn't make a whole lot of difference, absent some real weird outliers. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm putting a, a in the wad from flight control versus a three inch pattern versus like maybe a five inch pattern from the worst crappy garbage tier buckshot five still That's... do it matter no probably not at that distance you know if you're if your use case involves being outside and you may have neighbors downrange, uh or you know like you got a big house wide open house and you've got like maybe a 20 yard shot across your hallway uh then yeah it makes a difference so you have to understand what your own context is and and plan accordingly. Yeah. And then also to, to add on to that, with considering your use, with all of your training, all your practice, the classes that you take, are you going to be always shooting that good stuff or are you going to be shooting potentially just bird? And does, with, that in consideration, with that consideration, does that make this a little bit more viable. You don't need to be spending thousands of dollars on a pallet of the best shotgun ammo ever, because you're probably not going to shoot all that. You might. And, or you can turn around and sell it in a couple of years when no one can find it anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, do you, do you go take thousand round classes with, you know, 147 gold, uh, HST? No, some agencies do. Some, yeah, some agencies do. Individual. But like, does your individual guy, you know, training junkie go out and do a thousand round class with, with HSTs or does he buy some, you know, some ball ammo that's that's a little cheaper and go that, and hopefully shoots to the similar point aim point impact. Yeah. uh, And then goes and does that. I mean, the same thing, like the vast majority of our class is shot with birdshot because we're not trying to disable an opponent. We're trying to teach you the weapon manipulation skills, recoil yeah. mitigation skills, those reps. and you can do that with birdshot much. This it, It's exactly the same in terms of efficacy, probably easier because there's less recoil most of the time. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, we do have you do drills specifically with buckshot to say, hey, this is the more powerful stuff. Now you can prove to yourself and experience for yourself what this feels like with serious ammo. Yeah. Um, but you don't need that for, hey, this is your intro to push-pull. This is your intro to reloading. This is your intro to short-stocking. Birdshot's fine for that uh, for that purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that covered that topic very nicely, especially with uh, Cody's parameters. I really like that. Uh, new parts. So clearly everyone needs to get a heat guard. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for that. Am I going to spark a revolution? Yes. Everybody's going to get heat shields. We're going to see like, like bespoke heat shields. It's happened. It's happened. Dude, trench I, gun I, Thursday, I definitely, baby. 
I definitely haven't been putting research into such a thing. Definitely not. You will Dude, definitely you make not. a viable 870 heat shield, come, you know where to go. Putting my old designer hat on, I got to say, I did some renderings at one point in time. Heat Five shield, minutes ago. Yeah, heat shields in another color, like a titanium nitride underneath a M-lock handguard. You start getting some color breaks in there, that starts looking really cool. <laughs> and that's the most important aspect of anything firearms has to look good. Dude, it, I Hackathorn told me years ago when I was just a little kid, he said, he said, Matt, he said, in order to shoot good, you must look good. Yes. <laughs> but as we already discussed, there's some viability here, mm-hmm. especially okay, if you're, if you're, if you're living behind a keyboard and you're not using your stuff and you're not experimenting with different methods of reloading, you're not going to know, and you're not shooting your guns. You're not going to know, Oh shit, I'm going to burn myself. That barrel gets toasty. Yeah. Well, hell uh, shooting my, uh, my aug. If I let my hand go any higher than that, that forward, uh, that vertical grip, guess what happens to my hand? It burns. (laughs) Yeah. So we need to show for one of those two. Yeah. That too. I don't have that with my Tavor. I don't know why. Um, but what other, any, any other new parts, Adam, I know has at least one and we, we, we touched upon it and how, how viable it is for two different Beretta shotguns. You, you, <laughs> you touched on my parts. Yes. Just, yes. just trying to, just trying to make sure we're, we're clear here. Yes. Is, are we still yeah, in I mean, phrasing? I don't even know if we are, we should be. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the bolt release has been pretty good. I've been super happy with that. Um, this thinking 1301 charging handle yeah. has just been getting, you know, cases and cases and cases and more cases of ammo thrown through it. So, I mean, that's, you know, still a, still a in testing, you know, is, is what I like to say. Well, you know, if you don't mind, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you went through with the first sure. one and the failure and how you completely said, Hey, this didn't work. And how many companies are doing that? Yeah, I mean, I make myself feel a little better by going and looking at how <laughs> some other companies handle some of their failures and yeah. it seems like ignoring it is what, you know, a lot of people do, which is uh kind of mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's yeah, you know, not not exactly like my favorite topic of discussion. No, no. <laughs> for for pretty obvious reasons. Um yeah, so, I mean, you know, the I guess a little bit of brief background on it is, yeah, I mean, for several years I had a a pretty good, at least I thought a pretty good design and, and uh, some ideas revolving around a a charging handle an all metal charging handle, presumably one piece would be a a great way to go about it. Um, You know, put it, put quite a number of rounds through, you know, uh, prototypes last year. And I mean, you know, I, I guess it's easy to say in, in hindsight now, you know, not enough rounds or not, not enough of the, the right types of rounds or whatever. Uh, but either way, you know, didn't see any problems in any testing. Um, and then, you know, probably, so we released it last August and then around October, uh, I had heard of like, I think it was two people, uh, who had theirs break and, yeah. and the, you know, the first one was alarming for sure. And then, you know, I heard of another one 
And it was like, well, that's, that, that is pretty much setting it in stone of what we're going to go about right there. And, you know, not knowing the exact cause of it, um, you know, talking to a number of people, uh, including Ben, you know, Eric, uh, guys that would, would kind of know you're picking their brains. Uh, it could very well have been, uh, uh, multiple factors contributing to it. Um, you know, material selection is, is just kind of part of it. Uh, the, the overall mass of it was probably part of it. Um, and, and you know, the end of it just basically came down to, you know, we've got <laughs> hundreds of these things out there. Uh, yeah. I've heard of two breaking and, uh, you know, since then, you know, probably, probably more have, but I, I don't really, I don't really know because uh, basically as soon as we heard about it, we issued a complete recall yeah. email at every single purchaser. Um, you know, everyone we're able to get in touch with just refund them immediately and, you know, go about it. It's, it's one of those things where this is a pretty vital component to the operation of this firearm. There's plenty of people putting their lives on the line, you know, trusting yeah. these parts and components and, you know, if it's not a hundred percent, then, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's an easy, it, it's an hard, it, it was a hard decision, but it was an easy decision to do, you know, it was it, you know, for, I'm not a massive company. And so it, it you know, there was a little bit of loss taken yeah. <laughs> on that one to say the least, but yeah. uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, I gotta, I gotta be able to sleep at night knowing that, yeah. um, yeah, well, I, th I, I think that, loss, that use my stuff. I think that loss, though, also turned into a positive thing, at least for reputation. That people saw that and went, "Holy crap, this is amazing!" And the, the uh, yeah, I mean, you dude just stands by his work yeah. and does the right thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> integrity isn't isn't always a, a thing that's prevalent, but I, I do my best with it, um, yeah. and, and that that was a big factor. You know, I've I've always said my stuff to be bomb proof and you know if it's not i'm going to do my best to to make it right so uh you know that being said there was a a, a material change um on the on the charging handles complete redesign uh putting uh, putting pressure and stresses on different parts um of the of the charging handle itself where there's uh those stresses are going into more mass and, 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 you know, changing a lot of geometry and stuff. Now, all that being said, like the, the testing for this one, it's, it's going very well. I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it's going. So, you know, it's never going to be good enough, but I'm, I'm also going to be taking my time with it. You know, yeah. I, I could pick, I literally post pictures of, of newborn twins and I'll get, Hey, when's the new charging handle coming? <laughs> so, you know, it's my, my answer is always the same. It's like still testing. And, you know, after what happened with the, that previous one, I mean, you know, it's, it, it takes how long it's going to take. Well, clearly though, you have twins. That's more labor. <laughs> you have a, a, a larger labor force now because you have them. Uh, I was going to say it was a lot more labor. You tell my wife that <laughs> we'll get her right. on the podcast next time. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and, and there's, uh, there's in terms of new things, there's heat shield, some, you know, <laughs> heat shield, heat shield. That's, that's the answer to everything. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's, been another product that I've had designed and on my mind for quite some time, got pretty, you know, almost accidentally teased about it last 
podcast we did. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, some or all of you guys have probably seen some picture of it at various stages. And um, you know, I had some challenges with uh, trying to figure out how to hold these parts and machine these parts. Uh, it's very outside the realm of what I've done previously. So, you know, I had some help come in a couple weeks ago to, you know, sit down and figure it out. And so, I mean, I, I think I'm on the right track with that. So, you know, this fall sometime, that's right. Uh, you know, the, the goal is to, to have one of those prototypes done and, and functional, um, you know, for Thunderstick summit, uh, that's, that's kind of the, the goal that I've got. So maybe we'll get to, maybe we'll get to unveil uh, some pretty cool stuff sooner than later, but who knows? It happens when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And that falls perfectly in line with what this topic currently is. And it's yeah. What, what new parts are out there? Yeah. <clears throat> Anyone yeah. have any other parts that they can think of that are making their lives better? Cody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, first of all, Adam, yeah, good on you for doing the recall. It's a tough decision, but it's the right decision for sure. From, you know, speaking from a company who's we've lived on our reputation for 33 years, um, we have to do that. And you're doing the right thing. It's not easy, but it's the right thing. So good for you. And uh, hopefully it's not necessary again. You know, we're all rooting for you, man. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as stuff that's going, I mean, yeah, our new stuff's out, you know, the rear sight with the integral optic mounts, we're going to go with different, uh, you know, if, if the industry would decide between 509T and Acro already, we'd, we'd have one of those too. <laughs> uh, but uh, looks like the Holosun EPS stuff is going to be cool. A good answer for uh, enclosed emitters on shotguns. Um, as far as stuff that's actually out, I mean, uh, the the Wooks stuff is is kind of interesting to us. Um, seeing the, the wood with M lock, um, some questionable things on there. Is it good for fighting shotguns? Um, if your length of pull is fourteen inches, that buttstock's probably really good for you. That's as short as it goes, um, dude. Yeah. Oh, so, you're breaking my heart. That's what it is. It's it's 14. That's as short as it is for now. There might be a Gen 2 on the horizon. So um the forend's cool. It looks great. The shape works. The M lock slots work. Uh so I think it's a it's a good it wasn't designed for us, you know. It wasn't it wasn't a it was designed by Italians who don't shoot guns, you know, past the horizon. Uh that everything's up above the horizon. So when we point the guns down, they need to get short shorter and uh that's that's what we do in america we point them at lots of things so um they're good we like the ergos on it we like the traction in some of the spots but to make it like a fighting shotgun stock we we need some changes so we'll see uh, that's on the horizon uh kickies is doing some cool stuff the replacement recoil pads for the magpul sga stock is really cool um really nice if uh, if if you're very recoil sensitive and i've been taking some phone calls from people they'll call us and you know hey i'm you know i'm 70 years old and my wife she's not too far behind me don't let her hear me tell you that but uh there's they'll say hey we're just recoil sensitive what do we do i'm like well it's, the gun's got to fit you and then I'd, I'd take four inches off that barrel if I was you. But uh, the, then that recoil pad, it's really easy to say that that Kiki's Zorbethane, uh, the material that's made out of the durometer, it's it's soft enough to to 
handle recoil well, but not tacky enough to grab your clothes all the time. And then, um, they just made a replacement. So we worked with Magpul a bit. Um, the Magpul SGA stocks on the Remington and the Mossbergs, they use the same back plate as the Hunter 1022 stocks and the, the 700. So the 1022 comes with the really hard rubber butt plate. And that plate adds almost no length of pull to that stock. So uh, for folks using adapters like Adam's uh, awesome stock adapter on the 1301, you're adding a little bit of length because the adapter is just, it's in there. So you can't quite get as short a length of pull as maybe some people want to. So the solution for that was let's get Magpul to come out with that Hunter butt plate. So that's out now. Um, it's cool. It's they, they made a retail packaging for it. So now you don't have to cannibalize the, the butt plate from your 1022 stock. If you want to make your SGA stock a little bit shorter, you can just bolt that right on. And at the same time, Kikis came out with their Zorbethane version of that too, with a rounded off uh, heel. So, nice. yeah. So it's, uh, I know Adam, you've been shooting that. Um, well, how are you liking that on the 1301? I, I've been shooting it on the pump guns and I love it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, this is my third range trip with it today. Um, you know, me and the guys took it out last week. Uh, it's, it's been pretty cool. Um, it's initially I was kind of concerned that it might grab my shirt. You know, it felt like it could be almost tacky. Hasn't been any problem whatsoever. Um, I mean, there is certainly less material there, uh, so it's not gonna, you know, you're not, it's not gonna be as for as forgiving, you know, for recoil if your push pull isn't spot on. Um, <laughs> so that that was that was some feedback that was given from uh, from my guys that were shooting was, but I mean they still made it through without much problem. Um, yes, I mean it, it, it's good. Definitely shortens it up. Um, you know, a couple of days ago and today played around a bit with, uh, my plate carrier just to see how it would feel. You're trying to get that, uh, shorter length of pole and, and really utilizing that, uh, just cause it, it really sucks with, you know, even just the regular, uh, regular thickness of butt pads. I mean, it does shorten it up. It makes it a bit more usable. Uh, it's not ideal Yeah, again, again, for like the additional thickness of a plate carrier. Um, but you know, aside from that, it, it's been good. It's been really good. Uh, they, you know, no issues whatsoever. Uh, you know, they, they commented on one of my posts that I made about it. Um, basically asking how it's holding up. It's holding up just fine. Uh, I haven't had any problems with, with that recoil pad. So yeah, awesome. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm curious to keep putting more rounds through it for sure. How do you like the shorter length? That's, that would be my, I mean, the rec- I mean, for Matt, you know, Matt teaches it, Matt hot, you know, teaches it. I'm Matt. You, I don't know if, if Matt Landfair teaches a shotgun class, but I know Matt hot does one or two, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the length is a big thing. The gun's got to fit. Like I tell people that they call me and say, Hey, I want a van comp shotgun. And I'm like, I appreciate that. Uh, what do you shoot? You know, how, what's your length of pull? Have you ever shot, you know, like a, a gun in a fighting stance? Cause the first thing is it's got to fit. And so, um, having that adapter plate in there takes up some of that length of pull. So I would say it necessitates a shorter stock. The SGA can only go so short. Having this kickies replacement recoil pad on there gives you a little bit of recoil absorption, but allows a shorter stock, uh, shorter length of pull. So it's like, uh, just over half an inch, right? Is it five eighths uh, shorter 
Um, I think that's what it is uh, to, from the reach, from the trigger to the center of the repo pad. So um, I was just wondering, Adam, do you notice a difference uh, in the length of pull? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's definitely been a noticeable one. So with, uh, with our stock adapter using the... Uh, the Mossberg SGA and the way that that ends up interfacing with the 1301's receiver, uh, even with the the adapter on there, that length of pull ends up being about 12 and three eighths, which is pretty darn short. I think that the I think on a you know 500 or 590 it comes to 12 and a half. So even with the adapter, it's act, the length of pull is actually a little bit shorter. I think it's, I think it's 12 and a half. I'd better yeah. double check that. It's like 12 um, and a half on the, on the Mossberg 590. Yeah. The shortest <laughs> configuration. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So the, yeah. Sh- the shortest configuration on the 1301 actually ends up even a little bit shorter than the shortest configuration on a, a 500 or 590. Um, and so having run that, you know, just the factory uh, Magpul recoil pad for years, you know, that's pretty well what I was used to. So it actually, you know, it, it took a little bit of uh, it, my first number of repetitions. It's like, oh, this is this is noticeably shorter. Wow, that's uh, so awesome. It, so it, it felt wow. a little bit bizarre initially, just kind of getting into the right place. Um, but you know, some of the major advantages for sure is, you know, especially if you're if I'm, uh, you know, at a high ready and I'm coming up, you know there's a lot of area for that to potentially drag, but it's just that much shorter altogether now. So it's, you know, it's avoiding, you know, shot in a t-shirt today, the other day shot in a rain jacket uh, and didn't have any problems with it catching. And, you know, that was, I'm sure part of that is due to it being a little bit shorter as well, which is, is good. So, you know, for me, it's not necessarily groundbreaking. Um, but you know, anybody that's you know has slightly shorter arms than me, it could be a game changer for them. So I mean, it's it's a cool option. I, I've been enjoying it, you know, a bit. Um, yeah, so far so good. Well, that interface is a huge aspect that I don't know a lot of people necessarily pay attention to or consider how important it is with with a length of length of pull, and yeah, yeah that that interface between person and and, uh, and gun. That quite frankly, uh, that is the most important modification you can make to a defensive shotgun yep. is getting a, a short enough stock, getting that Agreed. pull down. I mean, if, if you handed me ye old box stock Wally World 870 and said you can do one thing on it before I'd do any, before I'd put sights on it, before I'd put a side saddle on it, I would lop about two inches off the butt stock. So out of curiosity, how are you, what's the, the methodology or the, the algorithm to figure out optimal size of person and optimal length of stock or length of pull? So traditionally, what people will tell you is hold the gun, put it in a crook of your elbow. And if it, if it, you know, the butt stock hits your bicep, while you've got reach to the trigger, you're good. I do that minus a couple of inches. So if you okay. look at mine, you know, that's that that's touching my bicep. My finger is well past the trigger guard. Yeah. I would come back a, a decent amount. Um, 
So if I grab Mbogo, it's the same thing there. I'm cupping the front of the trigger guard. Yep. Can you get away with a little longer? Yeah, probably, but sucks. Why do it if you don't have to? Um, most importantly, what I want, I want the student to be able to stand in a normal square, you know, mostly squared off fighting stance, the same as they would with a pistol or a carbine. And I want them to be able to easily reach the operating parts of the weapon before it. Um, Sometimes you can't get them any shorter. They've they've just got to blade off to be able to reach the the pump. Um, that's suboptimal, but you got to run with what you got. But I would like to have that stock short enough that you could get up there and have have good have good easy reach to the to the pump. I've got enough bend in my forearm that I can apply forward tension. Yeah, and the, similar the to they are. Right. And, and the less bladed you are, like uh, Matt's talking about, you, you square off there. Um, the more square you are, the more weight, the more mass you have behind the recoil pad of that gun to help absorb recoil before you start getting pushed off balance or before the gun starts deflecting and, and going up into your cheek. And so, uh, yeah, the, sh the shorter you can get it, the more you can turn into it, the better. And when in doubt, go shorter because you can always just turn your body in more, move the buttstock a little more center line, you know, away from the bicep, into the pocket, in from the pocket, onto the breastbone. Bring, bring it onto your pec. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So we can always, uh, you know, a, a gun that, that is, quote unquote, too short for us, we can always accommodate that. Yep. Not so much the other direction. Yeah, it, it is so much easier to shoot a stock that is marginally too short versus one that's marginally too long. <laughs> now, what yeah. if it's like like this and it's the, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect, Matt. It's perfect. I like it. It's, it's a handgun. <laughs> yeah, on, on that vein, there's the chisel stock. I don't, yeah. Have you guys talked about the chisel at all? I don't think so. No, no, I've been I've been playing with one and, and uh, working on some some interesting stuff with it and it's Heck yeah it, it's pretty cool it's pretty cool yeah it's neat it's uh, i need to get my hands on one i i've seen photos of them and it looks interesting um, I'll, I'll bring it in a couple weeks yeah i, I, I want to see it yeah they've, they're making them for the the remington first and it's a it's an aluminum pistol grip stock that's yeah. got their the chisel all their their normal ergos with their nice padded cheek um adjustable cheek riser and it's an adjustable length of pull with the big fat kickies recoil pad on the back so uh in the shortest configuration i think it's like 11 and 5 eighths length of pull and they've yeah. they're future proofing it so they got awesome sling mounts it's good ergos and it comes with the it ships with an optic plate for a trigicon rmr yeah so that's back on the adapter. So it's right there, right on your eyeball, right above your pistol grip, your firing hand. Um, so yeah, of course it takes AR-15 grips. So whatever, whatever grip you want. I think mine shipped with a K grip, like a the MOE K, I think. And um, yeah, it's it's neat. It's cool. I mean, for folks who don't want to drill their change their gun too much uh, to put an optic on it, that's a pretty nice expedient way just to bolt something on. Um, and it's, you know, built into the price, you know, it's chisel. So it's made well, but it's chisel. So it's also expensive. I think that's really the only downside and it's, it's heavy. But when, again, when we talk shotguns, the more mass you put on it, the less it kicks is just like everything. But, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's neat and it's adaptable and they were really, you know, they used Steve Fisher a lot and, yep. you know, they, they were calling me to, you know, we were just helping develop it because Fisher and I both historically have despised pistol grip stocks on a shotgun. Yeah, um, same. The, <laughs> so not a fan, this uh, again, yeah, generally also not a fan, but, uh, this chisel is it's different. It's really nice. Um, uh, I mean the different firing grips, I mean, Matt, you see them in your class and, and I'm sure those guys, they start to excel during the, the short stocking probably. Yeah. So you get something like a pistol grip stock. It generally doesn't point as naturally as a more traditional or the, the, the mag pulls, the, the great compromise angle of the mag pull. Um, but when you're doing that super tight short stocking, yeah, the pistol grip does well there. It shines there. Um, as playing with that Vepper, I was, I was reminded of that. You're like, I don't like pistol grips. And you're like, this doesn't hurt my wrist though. This is kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. And I mean the, the Magpul doesn't and like even, so even, even the factory 1301 or a300 because that front strap gets so vertical right there. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not kinking your wrist up on a bind doing this. And I love that texture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben kudos on that dude. That. I I actually had to take a tiny bit of sandpaper and kiss just the tips off of the uh, the the pyramids on this thing because it was a little over aggressive for my taste. But you can always dull it down. Exactly. That was that was actually on purpose. Yep. Funny enough, the um, that texture was originally developed for motorcycle throttles which is why it's unidirectional. Interesting. Uh, Italian motorcycle throttles? How did you know? <laughs> it was a guess. Shot in the dark. Yeah, the, the 1301, the texture that was put on the 1301 was done by uh, this really fantastic texture house over in Italy. Um, and we, we got their catalog and we've been kind of deciphering some stuff, but there's a bit of a language barrier there. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to go out and actually meet the folks face to face and really get to talk to them. Interesting. Yeah, that's definitely one of the easily noticeable things about the A300 is like, oh man, this thing, this thing scratched me. I brushed my leg against this thing. What's going on here? <laughs> it's no, it's it's it's. It's a well-textured handguard. Thank you. Yeah, no, we're, that was one of the call-outs that Matt and Rob both made, and that project started under Eric, and you all know Eric. If it doesn't make him bleed, he doesn't want it. Well, it succeeded. The first time I shot it at, at SHOT Show last year, uh, after three rounds, my support hand, one of my fingers was bleeding. So, Well, like you said, Matt, it's very easy to knock the tips off of that. Absolutely. And, and if if you're gonna run it like like a duty gun and you've got heavy gloves on, I mean that super texture is great. I mean you'd lock your hand on there; it ain't going anywhere. It, uh, it's hard to drop. Yeah, it's, it's hard to drop. You know, it gives you it gives you the opportunity to kind of tailor it to your own personal preference, which I th I think was a good good call. 
What was that? Oh, uh, no, go ahead. Well, I was uh, with, now that that's kind of set and running, uh, we're going to be <clears throat> bringing that into the pro shop. So if people do want to mess around with that, they'll be able to buy and go nuts on it. Heck, maybe maybe for a 50-state legal-looking build, someone will send it out to get it hydro-dipped <laughs> in either real tree or, I mean, you can dip it in a wood-type texture. Arm's yeah. length, you might not know the difference. That would be so awesome. Dip that thing in a hydro dip it in like a fake wood. I don't I'd even think it. I've seen one in person yet. The, the wood f- hydro dip? No, no, just a A300. A300? We got to fix that, dude. Get it together, Matt. Are, are you together. going to Thunderstick? No, some people have day jobs. Thankfully, mine pays for me to go to. Public. I know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's been a while since since Dad and I went up to Utah. Might I, need to. Uh, might yeah. need to do that again. And I think I could convince a couple people, a couple buddies, to join too. John the Fish Cop would probably jump on board. And in fact, I can think of a couple other cop buddies that would want to go, except they'd all want to borrow my thirteen oh ones. Dude, oh, uh, if you need a spare A three hundred, I might know a guy. Yeah, probably. I I just remember that class we taught up there. You and and Tony Meyer were there with your with your just eridist out to the gills thirteen oh yeah. ones, and then oh yeah. here here comes seventy three year old old Bob with a with a wingmaster. It's older Holy than crap. Dad. That dude was awesome. Oh, Bob was the heat. It didn't dude, need that, any. Nothing was tacticaled out. It was just pure skill. Yeah. I mean, he'd, he'd been shooting that gun longer than I've been alive. Yeah. Did and then I remember stock. Um, yeah, he had, he had the stock, he had like a youth stock on it. Wood youth stock. He had a mag extension on it. Some kind of old school three round extension. He had a, uh, he had a poly choke on it. If I recall <laughs> on the end of it. And he had a clapped out uh, tack star side saddle. He couldn't get through a magazine without all the shells flying out of it. It was so old and wore out. Um, but he had been a three gun shooter back in the day. Oh, it showed. Yeah. I mean, his reloads were smooth. And I remember one Benelli in that class too. And us Berettas and Benellis were comparing notes. Yeah. Didn't uh, the other Bob, short Bob. No. Didn't he have the Benelli. I don't think, uh, yeah, uh, Moran, I don't think he did. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what he had. We had three Bobs in that class. Yeah. So we had to get creative with nicknames. Speaking of which, I need to get that Bob on one of these episodes. He's just a fun guy to talk to. Yeah, he was cool. Okay, so we've talked about parts. We talked about all kinds of that stuff. But any Any new groundbreaking methods? You're now loading using your pinky or I don't know. Short stocking is um, pretty well established. I have become more and more of a convert to violin loading. Um, not necessarily for me. I have the upper body strength to keep the gun in the shoulder pocket with my strong hand and load yeah. with the weak hand. Um, but like when, when we had Melody in class, I didn't even try to get her to do that because it's just not physically feasible. Yeah. I'm like, here, tilt this thing up, put it on your shoulder, load with your strong hand, violin, load that thing. You know, it's perfect. And, and even I, 
I use it myself because again, shot shells are so bulky. If you want to carry a good number of them, they're going to be on both sides of your body. Yes. So, you know, if I'm going to reload with my strong hand off the strong side of my body, I'm going to violin load that thing. That's just how it's going to be. It's the most stable way of doing it, especially if you're moving. Um, so I, I have found much, I have gravitated more and more towards that over the last several years uh, of using it, um, not just for myself, but for, for students as well. Yeah. And not to be a smart ass, but another case for that heat shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Please stop. Because <laughs> <laughs> we will get them. Um, but I think that's one of the really cool aspects also about, uh, about shotguns is the versatility with the different methods of reloading. That it's not just, okay, insert mag, hit the bolt, release, done. No, you can you, you move it to whether you're loading with right or left. And it's just so many cool options. Like dad says, you got to be amphibious. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> You're very much part of the loading process when it comes to yeah. loading a shotgun and keeping it loaded. You know, it's, yeah. one, one mag in for 30 rounds is nice and easy, but you know, you run a shotgun through a class and, you know, going to need to, going to need to load it quite a bit. Um, you know, one thing I've definitely noticed and, you know, it, it, it's tough to say, you know, I don't like talking about my own stuff that much, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll certainly, you know, throw Cody's name out there as well. Um, you know, especially for classes and training, and there's so much value that I see in something that's detachable, whether it's, you know, a hard mount QDC, whether it's the, the Vang elastic and Velcro cards. Um, you know, so one thing that I've, you know, a, a question that I would always get is, oh, well, you know, what do I need these extra carriers for? You know, if, if something goes bump in the middle of the night, I'm not throwing on kit with extra carriers and all this extra ammo. It's like, well, absolutely not. You're going to have what's on the gun. And, uh, you know, to that end, you know, running through training, running through classes, you know, when there's a bump in the night, you're going to have the ammo that's on the gun. You're not going to have a dump pouch. You're probably not going to have you know extra rounds in your pockets. You're going to have the ammo that's on the side of the gun in your side saddle, you know, whatever it may be. And so in practice, in training, in class, when you're getting those reloading repetitions in, getting the ones that count is, is in my mind, kind of what matters. So, I mean, you know, reloading from a dump pouch, you know, I tend to, if I've got a dumb pouch, I'll tend to backfill any kind of side saddle I have. But during the drills, when I'm trying to keep the gun loaded, you know, it's being pulled from the same spot in the same orientation. And, uh, you know, one thing that I've seen, boy, it, it took me a couple of years to see it once. And now I've seen it, I think maybe each time in each of the last three classes I've been in is guys loading rounds into their tube backwards because they're pulling from a dump pouch. And, you know, Matt mentioned this to me, you know, a year or so ago when we were, we are talking about the follower and I'm like, really, is, is that, is that a common problem? Is people loading it in? Like I've never, I've, 
I've never done it. I've never seen it done in a class. And then sure enough, the last three classes I've been in, I've seen people yep. load them in backwards. And, you know, again, it's, it's cause they're pulling it from a pocket or a, a pouch or something. And you're trying to get it in there and it might not be oriented the way that you think it's oriented. So, so Adam, Matt, uh, Cody, you guys have been in, in our class. You've seen the shoot, scoot and load boogie where you're moving, you're shooting, you're, it's on you to keep the gun topped up as an increasingly rapid cadence of fire is demanded of you. That is intentionally done to throw that kind of stress on you and to deplete your side saddle if you have one and make you go to the dump pouch, to the shell belt, some other things. And so we will frequently see, uh, and in like Rolling Thunder, another similar purpose drill, um, we'll see people go to that, that the pocket, the, uh, the dump pouch, and we'll see people load one in backwards. I've seen people, I've seen people load uh chapstick. I've seen people load, try to throw their car keys in there. Um, roll lifesavers gets really get stuck in the tube. Um, I've seen people try to stuff pistol mags in the tube. Uh, once you get that mojo going and, and, your seat, your mental CPU cycles are, are dealing with something else. Any kind of lack of automaticity and loading gets you all bobble hosed up. And yeah, I've seen people do it in there backwards. Um, in fact, the, the last class that I, that I taught, uh, I, I taught a little one day, what I call a gauge clinic uh, out here in Prescott. And it was designed to be more of an intro class, uh, more of a, a here's the basics of, of running a gauge. So the morning was all push-pull development and the afternoon was all reloading, but it was reloading in a different way. So when, when we do our two-day class, the standard way we do loading is in position versus out of position reloads. So in position means you're in position to fire the gun. So you're loading with your support hand out of position means you're loading with your strong hand. So you're out of position to actually fire a shot for this class. What I did was loading from fixed orientation on gun. So your side saddle or your match saver or your butt cuff, although nobody had a butt cuff, so it didn't come up. Um, fixed orientation on the body. So your shell belt, your, your chest rig, something like that. And then on body, non-fixed orientation. So I, was, I had people loading out of cargo pockets and dump pouches. And I did that deliberately to impress upon them the importance of consistent orientation of your spare ammunition. You got to have it in the same place every time, the same orientation every time, if you're trying to grab it with automatic reaction with muscle memory rather than conscious thought. Yeah. Well, for me, one of the belt solutions that I found, and I Bill Blower, I think Bill Blowers introduced it to me. It was the Gunner Solutions Easy Eight mm -hmm. Shotgun Caddy, and that has that was wonderful, and that even allowed for twins and quads. Not that I can do quads yet, but twins loading was a lot easier because all the ammunition was oriented in the same direction, and it was an easy access. And yeah, flipping around doing the violin loading. 
very, very uh, uh, good product for, yeah, for, for good, my experience. Good piece of kit. Easy eight. Yep. I just picked one up and because uh, I've seen them in class a lot. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just never got into them. So I picked one up and I'm going to give it a, a fair shake and, and try it out uh, because I mean, we've been seeing them in class for some years, so there's yeah. probably something to them. Um, and the left and right sides can be adjusted for length, yep. which is really nice. Yep. Yeah, it's it's design, yeah. yeah. I've been playing with one for the last year or so and uh, you know, on Bill's high praise and uh, it, it, it done everything I've wanted it to do. I've been pretty happy with it for sure. You know, especially it, it's been interesting. Uh, you know, when I was running my 870 for the most part, I was twins loading a lot and then, you know, got into the 1301s and the first generations, they don't twins load well at all. And so I just kind of let it go. And then, you know, recently retired those ones from hard testing and got a couple of newer generations and they are much uh, much mm -hmm. friendlier to twins loading. And so I like, kind of going back to it a little bit and I'm like, Oh, the, the, the easy eight's getting a little bit more of a workout now for sure. And it, it's, it's a, it's a good piece of kit. If nothing else, you know, if you're not, you know, you don't need to load out of it and twins load or, or whatever. Um, even for going up to the line for an, in, an initial admin load, it, it's nice having those rounds easily available. And then, you know, for my setup, keeping, keeping the carriers fresh for the drills, but doing an admin load with easy eight. Yeah. And what do you think is super fast? Uh, that's what I was going to ask. What do you think is faster, Adam, for you to do twins out of the side, you know, the QDC or the uh, easy eight? Boy, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, part of it. Well, is it, 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 yeah. We were talking about loading. Ah, so. uh, <laughs> you're such a dad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so some of it is going to be based on like what rounds they actually are. Um, so I mean, to, to segue into a little bit of detail on like the QDC, for example, the retention on it is based around a, a good retention for federal flight control, since that's the large majority of what, um, you know, what most defensive users are, are, are using and shotgun shells have a super wide spec. So, you know, a cheaper bird shot may end up being a bit of a tighter feel than, you know, what it is specced around for federal flight control, which is a pretty beautiful round <laughs> compared to some of like, you know, cheap bulk bird shot. <clears throat> so yeah. 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 So if it's a, if it's a tight fitting round coming out of uh, the QDC is a little bit tougher uh, compared to the easy eight, for example. Um, you know, honestly, I haven't put in that many reps with the easy eight, you know, it'd probably be pretty comparable, you know, for, for me, uh, I haven't done enough reps with it where I can just grab them and know exactly where I'm grabbing on my waist. I kind of like have to look my hand and do it to make sure I'm grabbing the proper positions. Um, whereas when I'm twins loading off of a side saddle, I've got it right here in my periphery and I can grab the two rounds a lot easier, but you know, so the, the easy eight is, is slick. It's, it is, it is slick. It is slick. Um, uh, just going to throw out an idea for you guys to ponder before I do this last call. Uh, we're going to close up on your favorite myths. So everyone think of your favorite myth with the shotgun uh, that we can 
disprove or whatever. Um, any other methods that people have been adopting or enjoying even more or gave a second chance and realized, oh, okay. Cody, um, Matt, yeah. I... I have I haven't put enough time into it to really get a feel for it myself, uh, but having seen it in person and seen it on the clock, I'm I'm really fascinated by Rhett Newmeyer's uh, cheek shotgun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not totally convinced that it's worth the time and effort to learn it versus just running a gun with a stock. Mm -hmm. um, for him, it absolutely is. For for we've talked at length about the context that he's using it for and the reasons behind his choices, and they make perfect sense for him. And that also translates to other weapons as well. Which is yeah, the the, so the cool. cheap pistol stuff is there's some legit coolness there. Something yeah. would actually make a gun designed for it. I think that. But seeing seeing how Rhett can run uh, a bird's head gun and and the the mods that he does to it with the with the tall optic mount and whatnot, I mean, it's not uh, it's not snake oil. He he can actually do it and do it well. Um, so I I find that interesting. Very yeah, I agree. And I mean, I was just gonna say the. Like you said, in his context, it works. It works perfect, and that that tension that he sets up, and uh, the push pull, and uh, it's all, it's great. It's cool to see that translate across different applications. Yep. So, and it, it's more than just a push pull. It's like a push pull and a bit of a rotation. Yep. You know, two twists, a flip, and a kick, and <laughs> and there, there's some voodoo behind it, and it's real. Uh, yep. it, and it's and it's interesting. It's all tension. Yep. Um, I don't really have any sort of methods, new methods. I did have some cool and, and don't talk about the heat shield on this one, but um, I was out shooting and the gun got hot. And so I put a glove on uh -huh. and it has nothing to do with the heat shield. Uh, and I, I ran my times. I was out shooting. So Vancom's got us, we got a set of videos coming out. We're calling it um, shotgun standards. And so we're just going to go shoot everyone's standards, including Matt's Matt hots, the, the SimTac drills and all that. We're shooting them on video with a bunch of people. And then we want to do a challenge so that everyone can get out there and go shoot their shotguns on a, on a timer and see what it is. And then we, we had a, we had an interesting one, the, the Valhalla drill by Bill at the meat hall range It's Bill, right? Bill. Yeah. Bill, Bill Armstrong. Yeah. Bill Armstrong. I haven't met him yet. I hear he's a great guy. He uh, is. I, I watched Chris Fry shoot that on video and I'm like, yeah, let's go do that. And wound up being like at the end of the drills we were shooting and the gun was, you know, blazing hot and maybe a heat shield would have been good at that time. But I, you I said it, don't not me. know. I'm never <laughs> living that down. Am I? <laughs> so, uh, anyways, yeah, we shot it. We're shooting it with gloves and man, a method of, of shooting with gloves. Uh, you know, that's, that's a skill and I'm sure patrol guys have to worry about it. And, uh, just us in my poor, uh, you know, soft hand civilian life that it's way different. And the times on a clock, you know, one of the cool things about shooting with a shot timer, you get to see a metric for improvement or not. And the degradation of gloves, like added a factor of two. It was, it was insane. Yep. So the, so the Valhalla drill is, you know, 10 yards on a steel target. Um, you got the gun on your, uh, we, we shot it at the high ready and, uh, a fully loaded side saddle, six rounds, empty gun, on the buzzer, you load one, shoot one, load two, shoot two, load three, shoot three. That's it. Easy That's cool. peasy. 10, 11 seconds, not with gloves. <laughs> so <laughs> it's cool. It was a really cool drill. 
So what, speaking of gloves, one of the, the things that I found with it is hand shape, hand size and glove fit are very critical. Like I used to yeah. run a lot of the SKD pig gloves and I like them. I think they're good gloves. Um, but they're just a little long in the finger for me. So there's a little extra material there. And, and despite all my best efforts, occasionally that would get caught in things. Um, the Magpul flight gloves fit me like a glove, uh, but they fit very tight and, and without any extra fabric on the end of them. And so that's why I've gravitated towards those because I shoot, when I shoot shotguns, I have gloves on just from the volume and not having a heat shield, you know? Might have to look into those gloves. Generally, I especially with shotguns, I hate wearing them. You know, just because of the loss of dexterity and you know, loading is. <laughs> I can't shoot that great, but I can load okay. So, like any 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 degradation in my loading is a is a huge problem. But you know, especially this summer, we've just been shooting so many rounds in such a compressed time frame that we've all been running gloves and like it's it's just been kind of a struggle to find something that is yeah. is going to work like i've i've been running some mechanics gloves that are okay and then they're heavy yeah they're, 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 they're even worse for me with the floppy finger ends having too much length in the fingers yeah i mean i generally you know when i when i wear gloves you know for shooting i'm wearing you know a size down to try to get them a bit tighter i'm kind of in between sizes anyway so it sort of works out but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll have to check out the, the Magpul gloves because, yeah, so, so, sometimes they're good to have. And, you know, it's so I, I've been making do, but for me, I, I have pretty big hands. So the biggest glove that Magpul makes is a 2XL. They barely fit on my hands. Uh, so I kind of like squeegee them in there and then take them out, get them nice and sweaty. And the sweat will kind of stretch the leather. And then I let them dry on my hands and they kind of form fit. So these dainty little things probably take a medium. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what we got. My absolute favorite have been, and I don't, I, I haven't seen them available for some time checking eBay. I found them occasionally, but just not my size. And it's the, um, overlords by outdoor research, super thin. Yeah. They're wonderful, but, and a matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, Pat Rogers introduced me to him. Uh, another one that's been close was one of the super thin uh, Victos gloves. Hmm. But the problem with a lot of gloves, especially when they're on the thinner side, they uh, and use they fall apart. I have a pair of Overlords that I should be I, they should be in a safe, and I should <laughs> I just break glass if I need them because I don't <laughs> want them to die. They're years old. They're almost black. They started tan. Um, just fantastic, wonderful dexterity. Um, yeah, able to do all kinds of stuff that I can't do with other gloves with those on, but they're just not as readily available. Now they may, they may be discontinued, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Magpul ever discontinues their flight gloves, I'll just go back to regular military Nomex flight gloves or buy a bunch. Like yeah, what we were that, talking that about too. with ammo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and I have, you know, I actually have, I'm, I'm about ready to cycle out my current set. I'm starting to tear through the, the yeah. fingertips. Um, and I've got a couple of spare pairs socked away for, for just that reason. Cause I mean, they're good gloves. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, when you, when you reduce the thickness to get that dexterity, you do sacrifice some durability. That's mm -hmm. just nature of the beast, you know? 
you know, cheap, yeah, think, easy and fast, pick any two. Exactly. Exactly. And that with the overlords, I think this is, this was my third pair. Cause I, I bought several and the others are dead. They had a good life. They serve their purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we have now reached the point we we're, we've been going on two and a half hours. Absolutely. Awesome. Fantastic discussion. That's a short modcast. It is. Right. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about some of those myths. Let's let everyone, if you, if you have thought of one, let's delve into your favorite myth and how it's wrong or how you debunk it. Anyone want to start? What's your favorite shotgun myth? 20 gauge kicks less than 12 gauge. Okay. Let's go there. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's like a seven eighths of the charge of 12 gauge, you know, and the guns weigh a lot less they're they're handy and like we talked about physics is a thing and uh a, a, an object that weighs less is going to recoil more with the same energy so when you come down in scale on the payload uh and you come way down in scale on the weight you're going to feel more recoil and yeah. not to mention the fact that the ammunition technology in 12 gauge is light years ahead of 20 gauge sorry matt we t- <laughs> i'd love to have really good 20 gauge it just doesn't exist right now yeah uh, so yeah i mean that's that's where i stand with it is uh anybody else have a different opinion on it no um the one thing i would add to it is your typical 20 gauge slug or buckshot load is the same payload mass and velocity as a reduced recoil 12 gauge load so you, you're right they, they're equivalent in terms of recoil impulse and you've got a much lighter gun which is a shame because 20 gauge such a handy gun i've got a couple of 20 gauge 870s and they're just so light handy they dance in the hands like like a rapier instead of a long sword hmm. if that makes sense yeah, it does. Good one. I rest my case. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. Next up, anyone? Adam, hit it. I hate shotgun myths so bad. Yeah, <laughs> they're the worst of the. That's worst. why it's they important really to address. Are. I know. I mean, they're just terrible. Uh, can I pass? You, you can. <laughs> I mean, can. I mean, just just all the the stereotypical gun store <laughs> myths between racking and not aiming and you know you're naming all, all them you're naming ones. them yeah. i know i know that's why cody's was so impressive his was a, his was was a good a one legit good one and, and mine would be about yeah a birdshot or whatever not going through walls and well if you need it to be effective on people it's going to go through a wall i'm sorry yeah, that that paper that Gelhouse dug up was awesome. Did you guys see that on his? Uh, no. Where did he put that? I think he put it up on Instagram. Um, yeah, Cougar Mountain Solutions. Go check it out. He's got uh, he had a paper from like a nineteen like mid nineties um, SWAT conference, and some guy like an old school box of truth with all the um, you know different types of drywall and different studs hmm. between them. So he had like you know the the common sizes of you know, like a, a manufactured home and then a stick built home and he's shooting double lot buck through it and bird and like, you know, through 38 wad cutters and 45 hard balls. So it was, it was cool to see just a classic one. So I don't know. I didn't know if you had seen that from his cool. feed, but it was a neat little sheet. And I told him he's got to bring it to Thunderstick Summit. So. He was invited to this episode, but life does happen. 
<laughs> for sure. Absolutely. I'm sorry I was late too. So it's all your life, fault. Life happened to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I I thought of one that's you know might be a little bit more of a hot take, but that's okay. Uh, the idea that you don't need to know how to do a slug changeover. And my thought process on that is, I mean, you probably don't need to for the practical purpose of changing over a slug. However, um, forcing yourself to have a very uh, thorough understanding of exactly how your shotgun works can be fleshed out in the necessary steps for doing a slug changeover. You know, there, there's a lot of different guns that execute things in different manners. And there's, you know, like most things, multiple ways that you can go about it. Um, but if you don't have a pretty good understanding of, you know, how your shotgun is working and functioning, uh, you're probably not going to be able to accomplish it. So in terms of like seeing that in classes, like, I don't think that it ever needs to, well, I mean, I shouldn't say ever, it, it probably rarely needs to be taught for the sake of you need to, you have a, you happen to have a slug on you and you happen to be in a situation where you need to change it over, um, versus, this is exactly how your shotgun works and operates. And this is exactly what it's doing. And in order to, you know, get this round out of here and put this round back in here without anything else happening, uh, or other things that need to happen to make that happen. Uh, I like it. I, I like it for that purpose. Yeah. One of the coolest aspects of shotguns are it's the versatility. And if you can't take advantage of that and swap stuff on the fly, you're missing out on so, so much coolness, so much capability. Okay, Matt, you don't have any, do you? You've never heard <laughs> anything ever negative or, I mean, or these wrong. Guys, these guys have already touched on most of them, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up on you. It's not so much a myth, but a common practice that I absolutely detest. That's even better. That is this, this notion that it's somehow fun or cool or amusing to take somebody oh. that doesn't understand how a shotgun works and hand them a 12 gauge magnum slug yes. and watch them get hair yes, and brutalized by this gun because that person is never going to voluntarily pick up that gun again. And especially in like a law enforcement context where you see somebody just, you know, ah, look at the little girl got knocked on her ass. Yeah. That officer, you have done that officer a massive disservice because she's never going to pick that gun up willingly when it may be the thing that saves her life or a member of the public's life or one of her colleagues' lives. So you have done yeah. that officer a tremendous oh, disservice. And that also applies to the individual civilian. You know, whether it's a kid or a small statured person, a woman, whatever, you have ruined the joy of the gauge for that person. And that to me is an almost religious transgression or sin. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, I'm going in the opposite direction. Okay. We've shot the regular stuff. We're now loading in a Magnum slug. This is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's not that bad. Yeah. Check it out. They and shoot it and they go, oh, nothing to it. Let's shoot some more. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. You step them up to it and, and build that confidence, yeah. build yeah. that skill set and work up to it. That's cool. That's yeah. how it ought to Very. be done. But, but the whole, 
<laughs> yeah. You know, you give somebody like a tube full of birdshot and there's a mag, a three inch magnum at the end. No, no. I mean, it's unsafe in general, just from gun handling. And you are doing that person a massive disservice uh, in destroying their confidence in that weapon system. Yeah. Now I could see some kind of a drill where we're going to mix and match and let's see how your recoil mitigation is or something like that. And okay, there's stuff in there. But, but you There's know, if you know surprise. it's coming, that's yeah. a different story. Yeah, absolutely. Like Adam and I did that with that box of randos. <laughs> God only knows what was in that. Yeah. Pop, 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 boom, pop, pop, pop. That sounds like fun. Yeah. It was, but we, but we. It was a surprise. We, we knew it was coming and we, it, the, I hate the overuse of this word and, and the connotations it comes with, but it's the appropriate one here. There was consent. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. There was understanding. There was informed consent. Yes. And they signed the waiver. Yes. That's the most important thing. Benji, do you have anything? I guess I could just call you Benji. Oh, please don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Um, my thing might have already been talked about earlier and is really, I swear I've had this opinion before now, but it, I know it's been touched on in multiple points throughout this talk uh, is the notion that a shotgun will always be inferior for home defense to a short barrel suppressed AR. Um, I just got all my NFA paperwork back. I get to celebrate two stamps legally and I'm still going to mainline the shotgun yeah. because as Adam pointed out earlier, I'm not throwing on my chest rig if there's a bump in the night. I'm just grabbing the gun and going. Yep. So I'm grabbing one of my shotguns that's got that side saddle on it and is ready to go. Then you get into serving size, which is something I know Matt preaches very clearly, where my understanding is that CAG's uh, SOP for clearing a house right now is seven shots to a target to consider it neutralized with five, five, six and a Mark 18 platform. So there's that, or there's one click of federal flight control nine shot. So my gun either has a 30 round mag divided by seven or a seven plus one tube with five on the side. That's a lot more targets that I can down. Um, now, I know my living situation. I'm living alone in a 1950s house with thick plaster walls and brick on the outside. I don't have to worry about overshot. I don't have to worry about shoot through. I do not have a run in my house longer than 15 yards. So all of that comes into play. So know your platform, know your environment. But this notion that, no, you need to buy NFA stuff to be able to, like, really, truly defend your home. No. Buy a good shotgun. I like my Berettas, but I, I've got my 870 with the wood furniture on it from Bangkok. Because I live in Nashville. Nashville is very blue. If I have to use it because something went wrong... I honestly feel pretty comfortable with the police or the newspaper going, listen, I shot the guy once. I pulled the trigger once. The gun's got wood on it. 
and it's a pump action. Like, what do you want? You know, the P90 stayed in the safe, man. I I played it safe. So that's that's probably my because I always find myself in that argument where it's like, ah, shotguns are for fun. Well, they're not though. Shotguns not, are for I, smart people. Thinking man gun. Mm-hmm. What one thought too, you know, to kind of uh tack onto that in, in terms of a shotgun versus a you know suppressed SBR is you know concussion and pressure happening inside of, you know, <laughs> small rooms and buildings. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if a uh, 12 gauge will be more forgiving in terms of <laughs> long-term side effects of, of hearing and blast, you know, compared to a, a short barrel with a, with a, uh, I, I don't know. I guess if you have a suppressor, maybe it'll help balance out the short barrel and, and everything. But so um, I, I don't know if there's if there's thoughts on on that in, in terms of just lower pressure rounds going off. I've I've personally actually I actually have thought about that, and I've got a separate SBR with subs and a can where the overpressure is not going to be as much of a thing. But at the end of the day, when I did the calculus for myself man, I shoot shotguns inside every day for work like that. The, the ringing is already there. <laughs> when I, when I weigh the various, uh, metrics of how bad is my, not how bad is tomorrow going to be for which reasons I'd rather deal with my ears still ringing than an overzealous DA who's trying to cook me for life. You know, and the lesser evil when it comes to overpressure, it's a very good point. It's something everyone should definitely weigh. But I, I know where I land on that issue. Now, if JK can fix that, they'll have my money. So you're saying you're not using a NARP for home defense? <laughs> uh, NARP. NARP. No, we, we don't. I mean, that's going to be for a different discussion, but we don't even have one of those in the U.S. yet. Well, I just looked it up, and if you look at the Beretta U.S. site, it's not on there. Go to the rest of the world in English. It's right there. But, yeah, that's another topic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I have a 1301 stashed, one downstairs, one upstairs. Not the ARs. ARs are all locked away. No, they're accessible, but if, if I have time to access a long gun, you know, let's be honest, most pistols are convenient. Mm-hmm. So sitting right next to the nightstand is my carry pistol because, you know, maybe I don't want to get in and out of the safes every time. Um, but if I have, if I have the opportunity to grab a long gun to deal with something in the house, it's going to be this 14 inch Vang 870. Yeah. And it's going to solve the problem almost sure. If the problem can be solved by me, it will be solved. So you're saying it's your problem solver. He, he likes Glock to keep 40. It, keeps, <laughs> keeps it handy for close encounters. That's exactly right. Oh, well, they're aliens. So <laughs> yeah. 
That's another yeah, thing for the that discussion, Ben. For your when you talk to folks like ARs versus shotguns for home defense, that's I tell people that because we only, you know, ninety nine percent of those problems you're going to solve with one trigger press. All the time that you would have with other trigger press and acquiring the sight picture in between the trigger presses, hopefully, that's all time you can use to make that decision to press the trigger in the first place. Yep. And if in a gunfight the most valuable thing is time and, and that decision-making power, then the shotgun should be your best ally because inside of a house, like in a static fight from a known distance to unleash the power of Thor with one trigger press, that's pretty sweet. So, and then, you know, Hey, if he's wearing body armor, we, we know we got pelvic girdle shots too. Well, and then that's two trigger presses. Well, that, and I honestly don't care what, level plates you're wearing if i can clap them together through your torso <laughs> I, I won't go into any detail but i heard a firsthand story of a guy using mm -hmm. 1600 foot per second slugs on hard armor and uh they were they, they performed admirably they, it was super effective I, I would not hesitate at across the room distances uh if if i only had a you know, 12 gauge <laughs> against an armor plate, uh, you know, to me that, that is just fine. You know, opposed to like having, you know, my AR against an armor plate, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just so much force. They're just so devastating. They're so fun. It, whether it's eight, eight or nine double op pellets or one ounce lead slug coming at you. I mean, they're coming to vibe check them plates. Like, you know, it's one of those <laughs> times when the meme is probably correct. Well, I mean, and, Anyone here who's done contact or combat sports knows if you get winded, if you get the wind knocked out of you, you're, you got put on pause. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how big or tough you are. You take a hard enough hit to the solar plexus. There's like a, at least a two or three second wait. What? So, which is, which is long enough to shift up to the dome. And, uh, what, what's the, I'm probably showing my age. Remember that comedian Gallagher? Oh yeah. <laughs> Watermelons. Mallets. Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to bring something up because, and it, we can go through them quickly, but when I listened back to that podcast, so we were talking like the folks in this chat are, were pretty squared away on shotguns. And what I've realized talking to people on the phone, you know, for a long time, is a lot of the stuff that I take is uh, common sense isn't yeah. so common. Yeah. So I feel like we may be doing a disservice to people who don't know the stuff that like Adam kind of glossed over. No offense to you, Adam. You just said it. You're like, yeah, okay. Uh, the, you don't have to aim them. Uh, the pump will scare them off. We That stuff we know, but maybe the listener might not know. So I think we should just voice them and say, hey, uh, one of the myths is that the pump action will scare off a bad guy. It, it won't. Any arguments to that? No, the, it, there, are, there is such a thing as a psychological stop without having to press trigger. I mean, that's absolutely the case, but those are not the people that you're probably going to have to shoot anyway. It's the guy that looks at you and goes, you know, screw your shotgun. I don't care. I'm still going to kill you. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you go back to some of the stuff that the late Dr. April went into about violent criminal actors. I mean, it, it's... The guy that you're going to have to really have to shoot is not going to be at all 
scared by the sound of a pump going if he thinks that you're not going to press the trigger. And he's probably better at reading that level of intent than you are. There you go. Well, also, the, depending on the state you're in, the moment you're grabbing a gun, there can be no might. It's will or will not. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not stopping. I am not guaranteed to stop a threat with a sound my cell phone can make. Yeah. So that's the sound. So, so basically what you're telling the guy is, Hey, I haven't prepared properly. I didn't load and make ready <laughs> when I grabbed the gun. I have to come out here and okay, now we're going to go. Yeah. What? All right. So the other, the other very common one is that a shotgun shoots a spread. So you don't have to aim. And yeah. again, uh, for us, you know, Hey, we've been, we, we know this is not true because we go shoot shotguns all the time and people miss all the time. And Matt, yeah. <laughs> Matt what's the, uh, the syntax saying for that? Yeah. Uh, dad likes to say, you know, it's not hard to hit something with a shotgun. It's just real easy to miss. And, and we see it. I mean, in our classes, we see it. You're shooting at a, a generally like a C zone steel at 12 yards with birdshot with a shotgun and people miss all the time. It really doesn't take much because there's not that much spread, even with the crappiest barrel and the crappiest shot at, you know, 10 yards, you can miss very easily. There's a whole lot in front of you that is not going to be covered with a pattern. And worse, uh, pistol grip only shot from the hip. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> don't even, don't even. Yeah, to whom it may concern. That's what each yeah, one of those pellets says. That's exactly what it is. And it's almost assuredly not going to be the dude you're wanting to put around on. Right. So then we went to, you know, the shot shells won't penetrate the walls. That's what I hear a lot. And it's like, well, kind of, but uh, you're not right. <laughs> but Matt, you know, Matt already talked about that. And then we talked about the box of truth. Um, and another one, just because I do this all day. Um, uh, and so I, I, I have like a list of these that I, I can kind of tell which one the person on the other end of the phone is going to next. And, <laughs> and that's the one that they've already talked to themselves about is that the shotgun is it's a, a low capacity ammunition. So that's, I think that's where we turn it on its head. And it's like, is it the myth that shotguns low capacity? And, um, I, I don't think that part is a myth, but the intention is that you're not going to have enough ammo to get you out of a home defense situation. Yeah. And, and um, Matt, you can talk about serving size and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and real quick, I do want to throw out credit that that serving size concept comes from Tom Givens. That's not something that we came up with. Um, yeah, that, that, that comes from Tom. And I, I think it's just a wonderful concept because it's, it's correct. And, and Ben alluded to this too. It's not just that the capacity of serving size is equivalent or better with a shotgun than it is with an AR. Um, but the time it takes you to deliver that serving, even if we lived in our utopia where you could Amazon prime automatic weapons to your house, how long does it take to put five to seven rounds on a dude and then transition to the next dude in five to seven rounds versus boom, boom. All the time. So, I Cody, thank you. I, I think that was a good thing to not assume that the, that the, the listeners, that the watchers, that the average people uh, understand that those are myths. 
you know, we gloss over them because we do see them all the time and we've, we've busted them we countless times <laughs> over, over decades, but you know, never assume your student knows what you know, yeah. cause that's, that's why they're there. They're yeah. there to get what you know. Hopefully there's value to that, to, to listeners. I just, it was something yeah. I had noticed because I don't remember what it was precisely, but it was like, okay, I just said that. And I said that because it's a, it's in my head and, and a lot of you guys, you know, everyone on the podcast got it. And I'm like, cool, perfect. Cause like, you know, read the room, but uh, <laughs> we can't assume that all the listeners do too. Well, and this is a really, yeah, and I'm, and I know I have listeners who, who are content creators. This is a great thing to bear in mind when it comes to creating your content. Don't assume that your audience knows what you know, or that we're all at the same level. And that for me, that's difficult to keep in mind up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't know this part. We need to get more in depth or this should probably just have its own episode. So yeah, good observations. Um, yeah, we're, we're uh, now approaching three hours. Excellent that discussion. Feels, that feels better. Excellent More discussion. Like <laughs> this though, this is not going to be released this week. It's going to be released next week. Uh, last night, uh, last night's episode will be uh, this week's episode. Um, before we do our final thoughts, plugs, and make sure you're plugging whoever you want, whoever you represent, I am going to say my favorite phrase, Please support those sources that you have found to be beneficial. You've heard these guys talk for a bit. You've got an idea who they are. You probably already knew who they were. Hopefully, you're already following them. But pay attention to who they represent, who they are. Um, if you like what they had to say, give them a like, give them a follow, subscribe. If they're sharing stuff that you really like, if Adam's putting up products that you like, even on your personal page, it's not a bad idea to share it. When Matt's putting on a class and he's announcing, hey, we have this class coming out. You know, it's actually helpful if you share it, even if you're an individual, it doesn't have to be a business page. So all that kind of stuff helps because the algorithms are not helping us. They're not, they're not working in our, in our favor. That works for pretty much everything social media. Again, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. I'm sure all of us have some kind of restriction on Instagram. I know I, my posts can't be viewed unless you follow me. Um, silly. I don't know. And I, I'm sure that there's throttling on, on all of us. So pay attention to who these guys represent. Um, and that goes with everything primary and secondary. Yeah. We've been going on three hours. This has been a fantastic discussion. I suspect this is going to be one of those discussions that people are going to refer to in the future and go, Oh yeah, you have to listen to this episode. Cause this is a, I think this is a good, uh, uh, sequel to our original gauge episode with the hot twins. Um, I don't know about twins, but uh, my dad, I know um, people have thought we're brothers before. Okay. We're, it's weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, give this a like, appreciate it. Um, let's go with those final thoughts and plugs. Adam. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. It's always Anytime. fun and always good to talk to the rest of you guys. Uh, if you're interested in cool shotgun accessories, you can check out Eridus Industries um but also definitely recommend get your guns out get ammo go shoot yeah. go train you know get some proper instruction learn the proper recoil mitigation techniques of push pull that will make your life a whole lot better when it comes to shooting shotguns so heck yeah heck yeah matt i'd like to echo what adam said you know thanks for having me on again uh 
it, it's no secret that that it doesn't take a whole lot of arm twisting to get me to sit around and talk about shotguns because I, I enjoy them. And you guys, you guys are great to hang out with. I'm glad everybody could make it. Um, if you want to learn push pull, if you want to learn how to run a shotgun, if you want to hear the gospel of the gauge, as we call it, um, we can be found at simtac.com. That's S Y M dash T A C.com. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of good use with, with Eridus products. We have a lot of great stuff with VanComp, Beretta, Wilderness Tactical Products, make great soft goods. Um, you know, and there's a lot of other companies out there doing good work. I can't name them all, uh, but go out there, play with stuff. Play with stuff that you thought might be me like heat shields. I was going to say, don't yes. be afraid of the heat shield. There's something there. Yeah, I mean, just because you've always heard it doesn't make it true. Test it. Experiment. Play. It, this stuff should be fun. Island load. Trigger time is happy time, people. Get out there and have some. Yes, yes. Cody? He's passed out, clearly. No, he's, he's not passed no, out. He, he he's doesn't. done with the heat shield talk. I've got 30-second pause after heat shields. It's <laughs> <laughs> like that other thing that will be not that will not be named. Don't right. you push it back another month, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I'm sorry I was late, but uh it's always great to talk with thank you. Um yeah, always great to talk with you guys about shotguns. Um Vang Comp Systems. We've been building shotguns for a long time. Um just trying to make the guns do better at uh you know, like we say, the anti-personnel stuff, taking bird guns, turning them into people guns, um, just the things that make the guns better in a gun fight. Um, of course, the barrel modification system makes uh, the shotguns shoot tighter patterns with less recoil and less muzzle rise. So if those are things you're interested in, check out Vang Comp Systems, uh, vangcomp.com. That's V like Victor, A-N-G-C-O-M-P, M like Mike, P like Papa.com. And we're on, that's our, all the social stuff too, VanComp, at VanComp. And yeah, I'd really like to uh, get you guys out shooting. We, we got this cool video series coming out where we do the shotgun standards, go shoot all, all the ones and we'll have a metric and a leaderboard and we'll do giveaways and you guys earn some VanComp swag and uh, we'll challenge all the other creators out to it too. Adam, you ready on that casino drill? So we're going to be doing it. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, obviously get training, go shoot the guns. Everyone on this channel is great, and uh, we appreciate you guys listening about the the tube for three hours. Yeah. Hey, out of curiosity, do you guys offer a 50-state legal customization package? Because I think that could be really cool. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh, on a pump gun, you're you're good at a five round capacity, except for the city. So the city of New York and the state of New Jersey don't um, they can't have six rounds. So every every other state and municipality, six rounds in a pump shotgun is good to go with an 18 inch barrel. So yeah, um, that's when we came up with the the standard. That was our Mossberg. It's got a six round tube. So except for the city of New York and the state of New Jersey. It's good to go. Um, you give up some features. New York State has a weird uh, a feature point system as far as oh. pistol grips and sights and heat shields. Heat shields, yeah. <laughs> so uh, they, you give up some points. Uh, so, but yeah, they're 
absolutely pump guns they're great and like you said awesome urban camouflage uh so and then of course you know the chair cover our little our little yes. discreet carry yes. bag it's pretty cool on the back of a truck or in the in your trunk i driving love that thing land. dude i thank love you. it thank you thank you so yeah to answer your question it's uh pretty much most of the things on our site that aren't nfa items are 50 state legal good stuff good stuff and lastly our friend from beretta ben yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me to crash this, I guess. I I, I just kind of signed on and was like, oh, I know these people. Well, it, um, it just makes sense to add you on this. Well, it, it was excellent it, timing. Excellent timing. Yeah, well, thank you again for having me. Yeah, um, I really don't need to. <laughs> Eridus Industries makes fantastic stuff. I've got it on my personal guns. Matt's teaching completely reframed how I approach shotguns, both from a design standpoint and a shooting standpoint. And I've personally got the Vancom systems and SimTac collaboration 870. And I think it's a work of art. So everything, all these guys are doing, I I'm in the industry. They're who I go to when I buy my own stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyone who's going to be at Thunderstick Summit, looking forward to meeting you in person. Um, Beretta's going to have a couple of folks there. We're kind of going just for ourselves to learn and meet folks. Oh, good. Um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have some of the U.S. team, some of the Italian team. So we're, we're going to learn with the rest of you and try to keep supporting the market and keep doing stuff correctly with input from great folks like those on this panel. Awesome. Good stuff. Big thanks, thanks to the sponsors. Big thanks to the panel. Awesome. Again, awesome discussion. Um, glad this was able to come together and cover the topics that we did. I think th this was incredibly useful. Uh, big thanks to um, Big Tech's Ordnance, Overwatch Precision, Filster, Primary Arms, Walther. Lastly, huge thank you to the Patreon subscribers. Um, all of this stuff does take time. Time is money. Um, and well, I don't know about anyone else. I have a full-time job too, so I need to make time to do this kind of stuff. But fortunately, I enjoy it. It's a great time to put this kind of stuff together, put it out to the public um, that hopefully they can um, learn from it because I know I do. i kind of selfish that way. If this wasn't beneficial to me, I wouldn't be doing it. It's dumb. So that's all. Um, have a couple episodes planned out for next week. Uh, we have one talking and I don't know what the title's necessarily going to be at this point. The gist of it is recognizing fraud and securing accounts like financial stuff. We have a couple, we have at least one law enforcement investigator who specializes it as well as a banker who specializes in this type of security and tracking down this kind of uh, tracking down fraud way different topic from what we normally do. And so that's going to be actually really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, what else? Then also have less lethal, have a breaching episode, have an explosive, explosive ordinance disposal episode, um, a bunch of other stuff on the horizon. My Facebook chat is full of all these different subgroups of the upcoming episodes. So things are rolling. Um, let's see here. Today's Thursday. So tomorrow or Saturday probably we'll have yesterday's armor course or armor episode published. So I think that's it. I am going to, as per the norm, go upstairs and make sure I still have a family up there. 
I probably am going to need to wrangle the almost three-year-old who's probably beating everyone up. He is stronger than he looks. So that's all. We'll talk to you later.